Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Two, 2.4 seconds to go in the second period. The streak alive for Robert Thomas. And Michelle, I'm thinking at that time the Blues are going to come up flying in the third period. I thought the same thing, Randy. Having that line, and Robert Thomas, who's hotter than anybody, mm-hmm. that line is, is one of the hottest lines, if not the hottest line in hockey right now. But they seem to propel the team to good things and to victory, so I thought the exact same thing. The third period, they would come out absolutely flying. But the third period was a tight checking affair. No scoring. <laughs> Charlie McAvoy wins it for Boston 48 seconds into overtime, and 3-2 was the final. The Blues do pick up a point, but Minnesota beat Montreal. So now the Blues and the Wild are tied with 103 points. Ridiculous. It is. Minnesota with the game in hand. And so the Blues head out on the road. What does Chief want to see in the last three games? Well, we'll get back to our game, you know, against San Jose. And, um, you know, 60 minutes of good hockey. Like, you know, consistent uh, what we need to do and how we need to play. we got to stay consistent. There's still, you know, there's home ice on the line. So there's a lot to play for. And, Michelle, that'll be a three-game Pacific time zone trip in San Jose, and then the Blues play in Arizona before heading over to Anaheim to finish it up. Now, we spoke to David Perron a few weeks ago. He was actually at the Cardinals' home opener on opening mm-hmm. day, and he said he doesn't care about home ice, that he almost prefers the Blues going on the road because it's more of a business trip. They don't have to worry about any of the things that they have to deal with at home, getting people tickets or waiting for the for the puck to drop or getting to the rink, that when you go out on the road, you have a, more of a specific schedule. After having him tell that to us, do you change your mind on wanting the Blues to have home ice at all? No, because Ville Husso is so much better at home than he is on the road. And when you have young players like Thomas, who's been through the grind and won a Stanley Cup, but he's still he's about to turn 24 years old, and people that haven't been through it like Falk and uh, Jordan Cairo, I want them to have the comforts of home to get a series started. But there is something to be said about going out on the road, having the opposing fans being angry, that gives mm-hmm. you that little bit of an edge that I think we've seen this Blues team thrive in before. And if Jordan Binnington was the goalie, I would feel differently. Yeah, good because point. Because he does thrive on that. Yeah, he, he does. He loves that. But I just don't know if Ville does. And maybe Binnington is back. I don't know. We'll see him this weekend again because they play back-to-backs against Arizona and Anaheim. But I don't think you can play Bennington. In, you can't start Bennington in game one of the playoffs, can you? No, I'd, be, fl- I'd be floored. I would, too. So last night, the final 3-2 in overtime, and the Blues tied for second, and they're having a magnificent season. There's no disgrace in tying the Bruins, who are a really, really good team, and sending that game to OT, picking up a point. And if you play five-on-five, five, if you play a real, like if Boston would make the finals against the Blues, we know the Blues are going to make it Boston kind of up in the air. <laughs> but if the Blues play Boston five-on-five five in overtime, they're going to win that game. So you've already written in Sharpie that the Blues will be playing for Stanley Cup championship. Sharpie on our whiteboard over there. Should I put it up? 
Uh, I don't know. I don't know, Randy. I <laughs> that don't may know. be bad, bad juju. I don't. You know how I feel about <laughs> stuff like that. A lot of times you say something and then the opposite happens. So maybe say that, that, that they they, that they don't win the Stanley Cup. They, they don't even win the first round. Okay, great. <laughs> I like where your head's at. <laughs> Last night in Miami, the Cardinals came away with a win over the Marlins. Bottom of the first inning, two out. Adam Wainwright on the mound. And Michelle, this is why they got the guy. With two outs. And Garcia pulls it left side. Backhanded. Arenado throws. The stretch. Oh, they got him. Goal Glovers on both ends. From foul territory, Arenado. And the stretch by Goldie. Holy smokes, what a play here. Look how far he is. I'm sure Donnie Baseball can appreciate this. The stretch. Wow. On both ends, as Danny Max said, the, the play from Nolan Arenado, the backhand, then to Goldie, who stretches it out, get, get, makes the grab, makes the play. That's one of those plays, Randy, that you watch over and over again, and you just laugh. Yeah. Because you're like, how do these guys do this? But you have the best defense in, in baseball, the gold gloves to prove it. That was a special play. We're going to have Adam Wainwright on the show at 9.15. I'm going to ask him whether he'd take Roland or Arenado. Oh, you're going to put him in that position? <laughs> yep. I, oh, Who'd you rather? That's tough. I think he might pick his current teammate. I think so, too. And I think his current teammate might be better. Oh, my gosh. He's so good. He's so yeah. good. And Roland was right there. Roland's one of the top three or four defensive third basemen in history. You've got Brooks Robinson. You've got Scott Roland. You've got Mike Schmidt, you've got Arenado, and and maybe uh, Matt Chapman now, but it's hard to argue against Nolan Arenado being the best, at least I've ever seen. I didn't get to see Brooks Robinson play in his prime every day, but if you're giving me the choice between Schmidt, Roland, Arenado, I think I'd take Arenado. How much fun is it to watch him play baseball every day? It's amazing, and especially with the joy that he plays with. Absolutely, and a play like that, that is a 10 on a degree of difficulty, even though you can recognize how difficult of a play it is to execute, he just is so smooth. He makes it look so effortless. And with that play, the Cardinals seized momentum. Paul E.D. doubled home Albert, who had a bloop double. 1-1 in the second. Then DeYoung scored on an error. It's 2-1 cards. Tyler O'Neill singled one home in the third to make it 3-1. He was out trying to stretch it into a double, so you've got two out. Albert singles. Albert's at first base, (laughs) and up comes Tommy Edmond. And Tommy Edmond lifts a fly ball into right center. And that ball is down. It's knocked down by Garcia. Pools being waved in all the way from first. And the throw is up the line and gets away. And Albert showing off the wheels. <laughs> Love it. 4 nothing Cardinals. And uh, the scene in the dugout was better than him trying to circle the bases. Oh, my gosh. Everybody in the dugout was laughing so hard. They were so Harrison Bader was jumping up and down like a kid on Christmas morning. They were so hyped for Albert Pujols. I loved what Yachty said after the game. He's going to sleep good tonight. <laughs> right. And he feigned needing the, the oxygen thing to put yes. over his nose. It was fantastic. So the Cardinals led 4 nothing at that point. They won 5-1. Didn't hit a home run, which is kind of strange for the Cardinals. That's the first win of the year that the Cardinals had in which they didn't hit a homer. And Wayno, five and two-thirds, he allowed a run on five hits, struck out six, and the Cardinals will play the second of three tonight in Miami. Miles Michaelis against former Cardinal Sandy Alcantara. You know, I know, Randy, we said we're not going to really take early games into account. We don't really know what this team is until Flag Day this year, 4th of July. Mm -hmm. But if this is what this team is going to be, I think we're going to be pretty happy here. They're fun, aren't they? They are so 
fun. I was writing questions for Adam Wainwright last night, and that's one question I have for him. Adam is always a happy and positive guy, and you know he takes great joy in playing the game of baseball. But I wonder if this is the most fun he's ever had. I'm watching him in the dugout. You know, when he's not pitching, even when he's pitching, when he's not pitching, everybody's chopping it up with Albert. It just seems like there is a different sense of calmness, but also levity with this group. I I don't think that there's a a bad seed in there. They all seem to be on the same page and to really enjoy one another. And I think your leadership core with Wainwright and Yachty specifically and Albert adding to it, they're savoring this and really enjoying it. And then... And we love Tony, but with Tony and Matheny, there was always an air of seriousness hovering over the clubhouse that prevented the sort of glee that they're playing with right now. Yeah, it was always a sense of uncertainty. You mm-hmm. never really knew where you stood or what could happen. But that's part of the reason why a lot of those teams were so great is because right. they never took their foot off the gas because they never knew. Yeah, and so I, I'm with you. I think this is probably the team that's having the most fun and ultimately might be the most fun to watch, too, yeah. uh, of the Cardinals that, that we've seen. Last night in the NBA playoffs, Miami wins game one over Atlanta, 115-104. to Actually, Miami leads 2 nothing. That was game two of that series, Jimmy Butler with 45 points for Miami. The Grizzlies took care of Minnesota 124-96, evening that series at a game apiece. And it was New Orleans over Phoenix in Phoenix, 125-114. So that series even at a game apiece. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. It's hump day. It's Wednesday. It's Ask Uncle Randy Day on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Got a question for Uncle Randy? Let him dive into his infinite well, filled with wisdom to find you answers. Text 65780. It's Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. You got questions? We got answers. Text in 6578 or the Air Comfort Service text line. If you want to, you can send an email to askuncleRandy at 101ESPN.com. But I have, as a, the uh, as spring approaches, Michelle, I have answers for, for people that uh, are experiencing young love. Well, this isn't about young love, but it is about something that falls on the spring calendar. It's important. From the 636, Dear Uncle Randy, it's that time of year again. What should I get my mom for Mother's Day? Mom for Mother's Day. Okay, your mom. Okay. Depends on what she likes. Like, if she likes plants and flowers, you can never go wrong with a plant or a flower. Especially if she likes plants and she likes to sustain a plant. Whenever she waters that plant or cares for it, she'll think of you and say, oh, what a lovely uh, child I have providing me for this lovely gift on Mother's Day. So you can never go wrong with that. Not knowing what mom likes, it makes it a little bit more difficult. If she is an avid cook, for example, get her something for the kitchen that she would enjoy. If uh, she likes movies, uh, Take care of her with a, a gift card to get back to a movie theater, things like that. Just uh, reflect what she likes. I think you also can never go wrong giving her something that pampers her. Manny Petty mm-hmm. gift card, send her to the spa, get her a massage, a facial. 
things like that. Something that she likely wouldn't do for herself. She does everything for everybody around her. Give her something where she just has to unplug and think about herself. And Moms want to relax. Exactly. exactly. From the 573, Dear Uncle Randy and Aunt Michelle, I messed up bad. I did a prank on my girlfriend a week ago by dumping water on her and then flo- throwing flour on her before we were leaving one day and she's still really mad at me. What can I do to bring her back to the fun, sweet person she was before? We always prank each other, but this time she said I went overboard. Thanks. Doug, this is from Doug. Doug, I agree that you did go overboard, especially before you're leaving. Water and flour is not a great combination. Kind of a funny prank, but probably not a great combination before you're going to leave for somewhere. (laughs) I would say that, uh, A, you can't apologize enough. B, it's got to be random acts of kindness and flowers and things like that. And uh, whatever you can afford, uh, like, Kobe, you got a $4 million ring yeah, for Vanessa. He did, yeah. Uh, I would say that uh, you have to do something where she gets a pretty substantial gift out of this as an apology. Wow. I think. Not a $4 million ring, but maybe like a $4,000 bag. Okay, so. But she'll eventually wind up selling. Maybe she'll sell it on eBay, on eBay. and make a profit one day. Who knows? <laughs> so it's a gift twice. Has happened. Um, has happened. <laughs> Confirmed. So. <laughs> You know what, Randy? I'll say this. That's great advice because I was just going to say the only thing you can do is when she does get you back, suck it up. Don't get mad. Don't pout. Because I'm thinking about myself in that moment and the bag's not going to do the trick. The random act of kindness is not going to do the trick. I'm lying in the weeds. I'm lying in wait until Mm -hmm. your guard is down and I'm going to get you so good that you're going to be just as mad as I was. And when right. she gets you, you have to be ready. You have to, you have to say, "I got got." Yeah, I, you're good one, babe. You can't get mad. You just have to allow it. Yeah, you're exactly right. What, what are you thinking with water and flour? Come on now, Matthew's if waiting. Have, if they have a pranking relationship, I don't know if that's completely across the line. Maybe the timing of it is when he got it. He said they were they were about to leave. Yeah, like you got to hit you got to hit her with that on like eight a.m. on a Saturday when you have nothing left right. to do and the like the tensions down. Like, did you it's make not her even funny? Did you make her late to no, work? That's right. You're right. It's not even funny if you were, if you were dumping ice cold water on her when she was in the shower, a warm shower or something like that. Ha ha! That stinks for a second. Mm-hmm. You got me good. To have her fully showered, makeuped, outfit on, mm-hmm. accessories pop mm-hmm. in, and you're getting ready to leave, and you're going to dump water and then flour yeah. on her? What is this, a PETA rally? Come yeah. on. <laughs> Even I wouldn't do that. It sounds like the timing was uh, the thing that burnt you the most. Yeah. So, you did mess up. You done messed up, A-Ron. <laughs> I just imagine her explaining to her friends why they're late. Yeah. I'm sorry. My you turned sig- me into dough. My significant other threw water and then flour on me as we were leaving the house. Yeah. I'm going to be late. Right. You're not Kevin McAllister. <laughs> and she is not Joe Pesci. She's not a wet bandit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you don't need to treat her as such. All right. Dear Uncle Randy, my 10-year-old son has a big soccer game against the rivals that they have this weekend. What's the best advice for me to give him? Thanks so much. Uh, 10 years old, number one, the, there, there are two pieces. Number one, play fast, play hard, leave everything on the field. And number two, even at that age, have fun. I know he's competitive. I know it's a rivalry, but you don't get many opportunities to be a 10-year-old soccer player. So take advantage of it and have fun. Good advice. Don't take it too seriously. Nobody's getting paid. Nobody's uh, no, Coaches aren't 
getting bonuses, you hope. We, uh, I had a third grade baseball coach that would light up a victory cigar after my kids' games. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, third, third grade. <laughs> yeah. That guy was just looking for any excuse. <laughs> yeah, he sure was. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so don't take it too seriously. Victory cigars for everybody. <laughs> On a, for a third grade team, yeah. <laughs> From the 573, Dear Uncle Randy, my wife and I are celebrating five years of marriage next week. Congratulations. Congratulations. Good for wow, you. Wow, wow. Five years strong. She says she doesn't want jewelry. Does she really want jewelry? Or should I spend that money on a getaway? Help me decipher this. Thank you. Okay. Good question. Great question. I would say that if she told you no jewelry, then spend it on a getaway for you too. Uh, and you know what? There's always going to be opportunities to provide her jewelry because you've got Christmas or uh, Hanukkah or whatever winter holiday you have. You obviously have uh, your anniversary. Hopefully at some point you'll have Mother's Day. There will be opportunities in the future. If you don't already have kids, there will be Mother's Day. There will be opportunities in the future to provide her with jewelry. But when you've been married for five years and you're still young and having fun, the getaways are great. So if it were in my situation, I would do the getaway thing, absolutely. From the 636, Dear Uncle Randy, my girlfriend and I share a common interest in golf. We're talking marriage. Mm-hmm. Would it be cliche to propose on the golf course? No, not if you play a lot. I don't think so. If she is into it and you do share that common interest and you feel like you're going to share that common interest when you do get married... I don't think that's cliche at all. I think that's a pretty creative and fun idea, actually. Yeah, if, the, if it's something you love together and mm-hmm. it's a personal sentiment, it's a good story. Yeah, I think that'd be great. So I'm uh, I'm going to put my stamp of approval on that one. I also think there's so much pressure on guys to, to find the perfect spot so and have the, the last perfect guy, yeah. story. And now with social media and, you know, there's, there's always pictures of the engagement. There's mm-hmm. a lot of pressure on dudes these days. Yeah, there is. You can't really... You can't just say, okay, let's get married someday and then give a, a microwave, for example, as a gift rather than a ring. I think you should start a movement, the microwave movement. Yeah, yeah exactly. Why can't we, though? What's wrong with that, again, Randy? Again, it has happened. So <laughs> It has, and you're still married. Yeah. So there so you go. So maybe more people should take the be, Randy be Character practical. approach. Be yeah. practical. I'm telling you, and this is me. Forget romance. I, I know that Let's make hot pockets. Men and wired are men and women are wired completely different. Yeah, I think right? from different planets, right? One's from yeah. Mars, one from one's from Venus. And I am wired probably completely differently than most people. I find it unimaginable that somebody would spend thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars on something they're going to wear on their finger. But they wear it every day. Yeah, they do. Matthew? That's too much. That's just too much. That's too much. I know money. they wear it every day, but, but that's and. and Women look at that as gorgeous. Many look at it as a symbol of their love, right? Uh, of the fact that the guy really loves her. And I know that the jewelry industry wants you to spend, what, a half of a, a year's pay or a third of a year's pay, something like that? I thought it was three months' salary. Ring. Was, was it three months' salary? Uh, so, uh, I always okay. heard three, three months', months salary. salary. So there Is you go. Quarter, the quarter of a year's salary. There's inflation. It better still be the rule. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know so the rule. E- I'm so, legitimately asking. So three, three months' salary is a quarter of a year. Uh, so 25% of what you make in a... So if you make 100 grand, they want you to spend 25. That's the jewelry industry, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so 
I say this with the knowledge that I am wired differently and that men and women are wired differently. But, heck, you can't even spend thirty grand on a set of golf clubs unless you're buying tigers from the, you know, from from the tiger. Yeah, slam. but you're definitely spending thirty grand cumulatively on golf throughout your life. Yeah, that's true. But you, and guess what? You can't pass down a, a golf game oh, oh, yeah. as an heirloom. Maybe your clubs Maybe at one clubs. point, yeah. but a ring you give to your children. You know, it stays in your family. Mm-hmm. You can pawn it if you need to. If so you need important. some cash. Yeah, I mean, so my thirty thousand dollar ring. Hey, uh, it's 420. I need a couple of bags. Can I get like a thousand from you? Oh my gosh, you? a couple of bags? <laughs> Here's my $30,000 ring. Honey? Sounded desperate for some bags <laughs> on <Sorry>. 420. <laughs> yeah. um, do you want one more? Yeah, one more. A tough one. Okay, a really I like tough, tough one. Okay, good. This one's from the 314. Dear Uncle Randy, I have two kids. My wife wants another one. I do not. What do I do? I'll say this, you control the situation. <laughs> These were laughing. <laughs> literally the perfect it's literally I mean scientifically the perfect answer. <laughs> yeah. I'll say yeah. I I will say this. Just be careful. Yeah. Right. So that's a, it's a difficult question, but you have to know how important it is for her. And are you going to get 10 years down the road where she can't have kids anymore and she is going to be angry and regretful that you didn't provide her that third child? If she desperately wants it and it's an important thing for the family, I think that's something that you have to talk out. And your reasoning has to be very strong for why you don't want a third. So if you're going to have the conversation, you have to have an exceptionally strong argument for why you don't want the third. Like, look at these two. You know, sometimes like one of my favorite lines from uh, It's a Wonderful Life is... uh, George Bailey. Why we have all these kids anyway? <laughs> I use that now. Kids are expensive. I'm talking about are. engagement rings. Kids are expensive. They really are. But she's going to have a strong argument. So you better go in because it has to be a discussion. Again, unless you control the narrative here. Uh, and there are doctors that provide preventative measures for this for you if you want to. I hate thinking of it, but I did it. Oh, jeez. Yeah. No, I did it. It's a, you, you, yeah, but that's I, she, I told you the story about when they explained it to me, right? Yes, yes. But she doesn't want that. <laughs> I still hey. sweat. I still get sweats. Wow. Bob Barker would be proud. Hmm. Yeah, she doesn't want that. She doesn't and want yeah, that. Yeah, you better not do that without telling her. I mean... No, this is... it's some. That's a serious discussion. Oh, bottom line, if you have strong conviction, you better go into the conversation with your reasons for why you don't want a third. And, and you're then, probably going to lose. Yeah, then you're going to lose. Yeah, I was going to say that. So you're right. Yeah. Doesn't Thanks. it just feel like an argument that you're inevitably going to lose? Yeah, it really does. Yeah. There, there's only one way that you win it, and you really don't want to go down that road either. You're also losing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. Thanks for your text, 6578 the Air Comfort Service text line. Coming up, the Cardinals off to a good start here. And they look like they have a good team. So who is the most indispensable 
member of the St. Louis Cardinals. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy with you on 101 ESPN. The text line 65780. And Michelle, even though the Cardinals have some people struggling offensively, Dylan Carlson only has a 420 OPS. Bader is at 618 OPS. Paul DeYoung is only hitting 185. There are a lot of reasons to look at the early numbers and say, yeah, that is something to be concerned about. But the fact of the matter is the Cardinals are on pace for 108 wins. They're 6-3, and three, and they're going to win 108 games this year. So, I, well, if, if we're buying into the early stats for players, yeah. why not for the team, right? Yeah, of course. But health is always an issue. And so we want to ask folks, and we're going to tell you who we think are the most indispensable Cardinals. Who do you think is? There's a lot of players on the Cardinals that could be candidates for the most indispensable Cardinal award. Mm -hmm. Um, We look at Jack Flaherty last year, and when you remove Jack Flaherty from the equation, the Cardinals certainly scuffled. He's a guy that I'm with him not playing for the team right now because of injury. I'm concerned about the pitching staff because of Jack Flaherty not being there. But when I go up and down the roster, Randy, there's one guy that pops out to me that I think if he's not playing for this team, I don't think they're a contender, and that's Nolan Arenado. Nolan Arenado is on fire right now. He's that meme of the man walking on fire. That is Nolan <laughs> Arenado right now. We saw it last night. Uh, another example of the unbelievable defense that he has. There's a reason that he's won his ninth straight gold glove last year and that he's so amazing for this team. And he started, by the way, uh, winning the National League Player of the Week. He started off the season with a great award, too. But this guy could be the National League MVP. He's going to be in the conversation for National League MVP. And I don't think the Cardinals win the World Series if Nolan Arenado, A, isn't in the mix, and B, performing at a high level. And we talked to him this offseason. And even though he had a strong 2021 campaign, I had to think about the years last year, 2020-21, he said it's not enough. And he spent the offseason grinding and retooling his, his swing and making himself better. And when you look at the team leaders right now, oh, who's leading the team in batting average? It's Nolan Arenado hitting three. 382. Who's leading the team in home runs? Nolan Arenado with four. Who's leading the team in RBI? Can you guess? It's Nolan Arenado with 12. OBP, 462. Hits, 13. Nolan Arenado, he's leading the team in almost every single offensive category, plus the defense that he gives you, the way that he changes the way other guys are pitched, being in the lineup the way that he is. I think that he is by far the most indispensable Cardinal. It's hard to argue against that because you don't know. If something would happen to Nolan Arenado. Nolan Gorman would be your third baseman. And we don't know how Nolan Gorman would perform at the major league level. We absolutely know what Arenado is. And so it's hard to argue against that. But Michelle, I look at this team. If they're in a four-game losing streak, do I have faith in anybody else to stop a losing streak other than Adam Wainwright? Whether it's Michaelis or Mats or Hudson or Flaherty, if and when he ever comes back, or... Jordan Hicks or Jake Woodford, to me, there's only one pitcher on this staff that's capable of stopping a losing streak and you be, you being able to count on him to stop the losing streak, and that's Adam Wainwright. I look at him as an indispensable part of this team simply because I don't think there's anybody that could even hope to fill in if Jack Flaherty is not healthy, which we don't know if he's ever going to be. Yeah. 
But I, I just don't have that much faith in Michaelis, Matz, Hudson, Hicks, Libertor, Woodford, that group. So I'm looking at, at Adam. And I think we both made really good choices here. I think they're both indispensable. I agree. Um, if I'm picking a pitcher that's indispensable, it's absolutely Adam Wainwright. But it's hard for me to not pick somebody that's going to play every day as somebody that's my indispensable Cardinal. Nolan Arenado makes a really big impact on this team mm-hmm. every day. Anytime Adam Wainwright gets the ball, he's going to make a difference for this team. But I, I just think about what this team would look like if Nolan Arenado's not in the lineup every day. Don't even talk about it. <laughs> don't, don't speak of it. Don't put that evil on us. I don't want. I don't even like this <laughs> segment, Randy, because it's making us think about things we don't want to think about. But it's a good thing because indispensable guys are, that means they're great. Yes. And so we've got those guys. Who else do we have? 65780 is Air Comfort Service text line. All right, let me pull it up right here. Adam Wainwright, 100%. That is from the 636. From the 573, Adam Wainwright, without his ability to stop losing streaks, as you said, Randy, saving bullpens and bringing leadership by being hard and tough-minded and fun when it's time to have fun. Oh, Adam Wainwright's the pick. Yeah, that's one of the reasons that I picked him. And by the way, I bet you you go around to a lot of baseball teams and they have one closer and you say, okay, that's the guy. But it's interesting because... If you go to the great teams, the teams that expect to win the World Series, they have multiple relievers that they think will be able to get them the ninth inning. So uh, we certainly don't have a closer worthy of that designation. Uh, the other player that I thought of actually was Bader because mm-hmm. we, you talked about when Flaherty went down last June, and Mo always talked about it. it wasn't just Flaherty, it was Bader too. And then you look at the numbers from last year, and we've... Uh, Repeated those a lot, but the team was 21 games over 500 when Bader played and three games under when he didn't. He reminds me so much of what Oscar Sundquist was for the Blues. He's not the the number one star that you're going to talk about, but he's an engine guy. That when he's out there, he helps this team hum. Absolutely. From the 314, if the Cardinals are going to win it all, Jack Flaherty is the most indispensable Cardinal. What's that say over there on the the board? Let me turn around. It says, learn, love, Smallman. Oh, not that one. No, No, but shout out to our girl, learn it, Casey. Thanks for the love note on the board, girlfriend. Um, It says, Jack Flaherty. This is Randy's prediction for Jack Flaherty this season. 24 star. 16 and 4, 2.73 ERA. That one's getting away from us in a hurry. <laughs> I can't believe you wanted me to write it on the board, but there yeah. it is. So we have, we have about three weeks to get him going if he's going to get his uh, 24 starts in. Come on. 16 yeah. and 4 with 20 starts will be a lot more difficult. How about this one from the 314? The most indispensable Cardinals, Albert Pujols, obviously, because speed kills. <laughs> It's true. It's like watching Whitey Ball over all over again. That was like Vince Coleman last night. Unreal. That was so <laughs> fun to watch. Uh, from the six three six, it's easily Adam Wainwright. Without him, the pitching staff implodes. Pitching cap. That, that's why I picked him. I just you'd like to have if you're going to win a World Series, you'd like to have two front of the rotation starters. But if the Cardinals are going to go into a playoff series against the Mets, for example, and if I don't plan on the Mets. I don't think they should plan on having Jacob DeGrom. But they're the team to beat right now in the National League because they're 9-3. and three. And if you go into a playoff series with Mats, Hudson, and uh, Hicks, for example, you, you wouldn't love it. And you're going against the likes of... Max Scherzer and Chris Bassett and Carrasco. I just and that's even without Jacob Degrom. I think they'd have great difficulty at this stage in winning a series without Wayno. But can they get to that series if they don't have Nolan Arenado? I think that's the other part of it. If you're going to yeah. play 162 games, 
Is your offense going to be good enough without Nolan Arnauto to even make it to a playoff series? Probably not. Or without this guy. A lot of people on the text line nominating Paul Goldschmidt as the most indispensable Cardinal. The 217 saying, Paul Goldschmidt saves so many errors and makes so many great plays like the one he did yesterday for the Cardinals. We take him for granted at first base. He turned this defense from bad to good when he came here. That's exactly right. And the Arenado play isn't the Arenado play last night without Goldie. He really does make a big difference. And once the calendar flips over to May, he'll be stellar offensively. But that being said, they could probably mix and match, especially with Albert on the team. They could probably mix and match and find a way to get by for a while without Goldie. But again, we don't want that to have to happen. No, we don't even want to think of it. From the 636, how is not one person on the text line saying Yadi or Molina for the experience he brings? Come on. Well, that's great, but... He has started five games this year, and Kisner started four. So he, we can't call him that at this point because the team is six and three, and he has ba- barely played half the games. That's yeah. why I was going to say, isn't <laughs> aren't we watching it play out in real time? Yeah. That there's, yeah, there are. is someone to step up for him. Yep. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. Hey, and thanks for your text. We do appreciate them, and it's great to have a lot of different answers because that means your team is pretty good. You got some depth there. Yep. That is uh, who's the most indispensable Cardinal coming up. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We've got Take It or Leave It next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Time for Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. Michelle Matthew and Randy and Michelle, I don't know if you saw this. I heard about it kind of under the radar a couple of years ago uh, because one of my contemporaries, Chicago rapper Lil Reese. (laughs) So a couple of years ago, he had his house raided by the feds and had 100K taken and never returned. Now Lil is saying that one of the FBI agents that raided his house was former Bears cornerback, Charles Peanut Tillman, who allegedly is now an FBI agent. Take it or leave it. You thought, after getting burned by James Jones and Randall Cobb and Stefan Diggs for all those years, that Peanut had moved past that and wouldn't get burned by Lil Reese. I'm going to leave that. Different chapter. It is. Lil Reese outing Peanut. Saying, oh yeah, he's an FBI agent. So now you're walking around the streets of Chicago, you say, no, that's... Charles Tillman, he's an FBI agent. You don't say, oh, that's Charles Tillman. He used to play cornerback for the Bears and get burned by Stephon Diggs. Oh, Randy. Your, your memories of Peanut Tillman is him getting burned? Yeah, come he on. He was a fantastic cornerback. He forced like 25 fumbles in his career. That's yeah, great. Sh- you know what cornerback's job is? Cornerback's jobs are to prevent touchdown passes. He was fairly good at that. Fairly good. Okay. I, mean, I think he's, he's much better than you're giving him credit for right now in this segment. It was a joke. I was trying to make the joke play. (laughs) He got burned by Lil Reese. That's good. How do you get burned by Lil Reese? That's good. I've never even heard of Lil Reese. Is that a nod to Reese's Pieces or Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Randy? Because if so, he's jacking your swag here. So uh, I think it is. 
because he spells his name R-E-E-S-E, not R-E-E-C-E. So I believe it is a nod to Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Now, do we know any Lil Reese jams? I don't know one song from Lil Reese. What should I put on the Spotify here? Actually, Lil Reese is kind of, uh, even though he's made at least 100 G of cash to be taken from home. That's right. Uh, he really hasn't had that big breakout hit yet. No chart toppers? No. Uh, no number one jams? No platinum he's records? He's working on it. He's working on it slowly okay. but surely. He's more he's, of, a, of a battle rapper? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to look it up. Let's, by the way, they, I mean, they, he's, he's done a collaboration yeah. with Chief Keef before. That's really the only person. Spotify. And Little Dirk, too. Yeah. La Lil's well, in here. And, uh, Lil Reese. Here so, we go. Yeah, he was being brought up on Rico charges. And did face a lot of time behind bars, but didn't have to. Didn't have to do the. Hey, if you don't do the try tie crime, you don't have to do the time. Hmm. Interesting. He survived getting shot in the neck. Wow. Ian Fitty. What a gamer. So Randy, <laughs> last night I was at the Blues game. I was sitting in the press box and I was looking at some numbers. Our guy David Perron, twenty six goals on the season. He has a a high. The, excuse me. The highest goal total that he's had in his career is 28, but he's knocking on the door of 30, right? 26. Mm-hmm. Take it or leave it. David Perron gets to that 30 goal mark before the end of the season. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take it too. Yeah. I think he's going to get it this year. He's got five games and some teams that aren't stellar defensively coming up in the next three on the coast. So get a couple there. And then uh, his teammates will, in those last couple of games against Colorado and Vegas, his teammates will set him up to get to 30. I was thinking that same thing just like they did when he was going for the hat mm-hmm. trick versus, I believe it was Chicago weekend game. Right. But 2013-2014, when he was with Edmonton, he had 28 goals. That's his highest season total. 26 goals with the Blues this year. So he's getting close. He's That'd getting great. close. Good for him. All right, Matthew, what do you got? From the 573, Randy, you're the arbiter of uh, nicknames. Mm-hmm. Uh, take it or leave it. Instead of trying to make Nadab happen, we should be focused on bringing Bobby Tommy into the mainstream of nicknames. Even I can't go Bobby Tommy. I can't go Bobby Tommy. It doesn't fit him. And it's not short enough. When your nickname is as long as your real name, it just doesn't work. Your nickname has to be shorter. It's got to be It's got to be something Tomer. Quick. Yeah, Tomer is fine. That's what they call him, I think. Yeah, that's his nick. That's his actual nickname is Tomer. Yeah, that, that's not great. Hockey isn't known for the most creative nicknames in the world. I, I he, how are we? We're, we're not calling him Smooth. That's not what we're calling Robert Thomas. Oh yeah, you know that's come on. Matchbox Twenty. Yeah, yeah, you gotta call Rob Thomas Smooth. Mm, but come that, on. But that also was um, a partnership with Santana. Yeah, it was, but I mean, it just, it works. It works for his game, too. I'm good with that. It's a good name. I think Smooth's been there the entire time. I don't know yeah. why, why why we're not rolling what with it. What are the other Matchbox 20 songs? I can't think of any off the top of my head. And that's why, but you, but when I said Smooth, you knew exactly what I was saying. So that's, was that's, that's, that's what tells you. Oh, 3 a.m. Yeah. But that's not a great nickname. Not for a hockey player. Mm. Well. They've had a few. I was going to say, there's a couple that maybe could have pulled off that nickname. JoJo Tired. <laughs> Bob Tom? A lot of people in the text line say Bob, Bob Tom. Tom. That's, that's, I've seen that one a lot, too. Bob Tom? Um, Randy, I, I, his face is registering disgust. Yeah, this yeah. is... The arbiter of nicknames is not approving right now. That's strong. But he's banging the gavel and vetoing. Somebody says Robert Thomas Roto. <laughs> Roto. <laughs> okay, now we're thinking at least. Now like, we're cooking. It's like me when I call I call Star One. But smooth call is one good. Smooth is, uh, I, I kind of like Smooth. Thank you very much, Randy. I like it too, but I just think it's more of a Santana song, not a Rob Thomas song. 
Yes. Well, I'm sorry. If you're on a if you're on a song with Santana, I don't care who you are. It's going to be a Santana song. You're not wrong. Well, I guess unless you're Beyonce or. No, it's still Elton Santana. John, no, I it's guess. still a Santana song. Well, no, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, take it or leave it. Harrison Bader needs some shots at the uh, leadoff spot. Yeah, I'll take it. I would not Why be not? mad at it. I would let. No. I I think that you you try a bunch of stuff early in the season, and Harrison Bader yeah. would be a good candidate for an experiment at the leadoff position. I wonder how long it's going to take for them to put Tommy Edmond up there. Would you try Harrison Bader before you put Tommy Edmond up there? Yeah, I probably would. Me too. Give him the opportunity. Especially against righties. If you don't have pools higher in the in the lineup, maybe give, you know, Carlson a chance to get some better pitches pitches as well. Maybe get him rolling as well. So I think mm-hmm. I think moving him around makes makes sense in a lot of different ways. Uh three one four, take it or leave it. Uh Pakota would disagree, but the Cardinals get a hundred plus wins this year. I'll take that. Yeah, Pakota. I think they've almost reached the Pakota projection already. <laughs> And it's April 20th. What did Pakota have them at? I forget. 70, 70 79 yeah. 83? Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe Pakota should just find something else to predict. Michelle, are you taking 100 wins? Yeah, I'll take it. There it is. Um, What else would they predict, though, Randy? Grammys. Elections. Elections. The weather. Like the that. weather. Oh, they're, yeah, they would be right on with the weather. That would be perfect. They need to come to St. Louis, and they would have the same level of efficiency if they predicted the weather here as they do predicting baseball yeah. records. It's going to be sunny and beautiful in St. Louis. Oh, it's raining? Well, whatever. Yeah, well, we're Pakota. Whatever. We're used Pakota. to it. Well, it's so unpredictable. You're not going to get mad at a meteorologist in St. Louis. Yeah. Both times, both times, I just can't trust the math. Uh, six three six, take it or leave it. Nolan wins the MVP and leads the Cardinals to a division title. Take it. Gorman or Arenado? Arenado, I'm gonna go, go with. with. But you know what? Fair question. Thank you. And three and four, last okay. Cardinals one. Take it or leave oh, it. Oh wait, Randy, oh. are you taking it? I'm taking it. Okay, yeah. good. Gallegos is gonna be the closer the entire year. Leave it. Oh. Why are you leaving it? You think injury? You think Wrinkle. game one of the playoffs? Reyes. The Cardinals' closer is Alex Reyes. Okay. Yeah. I hate that. What do you think? I hate that. I don't hate it because hopefully we won't see him have the uh, fatigue that we saw yeah. last year because he's not starting the season. Yeah. You know, Randy, I'll probably take it because you're right. Your your logic here is correct that when Alex Reyes returns, that's the role we're going to see him in. I still want to see him as a starter. I know it's unlikely to happen, but there's still... A little flame inside me that is holding out hope that I'm going to see Alex Reyes be a starter at Maybe some next point. year. Maybe next year, but I know it's not going to happen this year. It's just not the role they're going to have him in. Yep. But I always, that's my first thought is that I want to leave it because that's what I think. Yeah. Even though you're right. That's if, what we'll see him in. If you go back to, I think you have to go back to 2004 as the last time the Cardinals were in the World Series and the guy who started the season as their closer ended the season as their closer. 06, obviously, Izzy started as the closer. Wayno ended as the closer. In uh, 2011, Jason Mott finished up as the... Uh, I don't even remember who the closer was. Oh, you know who it was? It was uh, Fernando Salas, 24 oh saves. Oh gosh, you're right. Good memory. Yeah. And then 2013, Rosie ended up as the closer. I think Mojica had 37 that year. Oh, Edward Mojica. I haven't yeah. heard that name in a minute. Yeah. And then Rosie wound up as the closer. So when you look at most teams, unless Mariano Rivera was their closer, when you look at most teams that go to or win the World Series, 
the closer is different at the end of the season than it was at the beginning of the season. Thanks, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thanks for your text. We do appreciate it. Coming up, tough loss, hard-fought loss for the Blues, at least in the third period last night. But what happened in the second? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnucks. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. We weren't really sharp just to start. Um, I think coming off a big win like we had, you kind of get a little loose in areas and think it's going to come a little easier. And, you know, that happens. But, uh, yeah, you know, it wasn't a complete game. That second, second gave them a lot of momentum. But, again, we got a big goal at the end, have a chance to win the third, and third we played a lot better. But, uh, you know, it was there. This Blues captain Ryan O'Reilly after the 3-2 overtime loss to Boston last night at Enterprise Center. 806, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Two notes before we get back into the Blues game. And the first one is, is that if you stick around in the 9 o'clock hour, we're going to have your chance to win a four-pack of tickets to next Tuesday night's Budweiser Bash, Cardinals and Mets. The first Budweiser Bash game of the year features an exclusive Keith Hernandez limited edition bobblehead giveaway. You can get all the details for the season's series of Budweiser Bash Cardinal games now at cardinals.com slash promotions. So that's the good news. The bad news is, is that Michelle may wind up sounding depressed for the remaining two hours of this program. <sighs> My phone just vibrated, Randy. I looked down. <clears throat> Excuse me. ESPN push notification. Kofi Coburn, of course, Illinois, the big man. He is entering the NBA draft. Leaving Illinois, entering the NBA draft. Oh. Darn it. Kind of knew that was coming, but you know, still. Jordan Nesbitt was going to enter the NBA draft too from St. Louis U. But then he committed to Hampton. So good for him. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see now on my timeline that he has a long note thanking Illinois, saying that this is the next chapter. And then at the end it says King out with the prayer emojis. And you know what? I wish Kofi the best in in his NBA journey. And I thank him for everything that he brought to the University of Illinois because he is a very special player. Wish he was coming back. Mm -hmm. Would have really loved to see him cut down a net one day. Got close. Well, not that close. They were a number one seed. (laughs) They did win the Big Ten tournament. Mm -hmm. They they did have a co-share of the Big Ten championship. But I can't say they got particularly close in the tournament. But thank you, Kofi, for everything you've done. Yeah. You were a great Illini. I love how nice players are for the first three paragraphs of these, either going to the NBA or mo- most notably, uh, I'm going to transfer. Love the coaches. Love the fans. Thanks. God has blessed me to be here with you for these years. And oh, by the way, I'm entering the transfer portal. <laughs> Don't you wish somebody would put out <laughs> the note on their iPhones app? Because the, what Kofi has is a beautifully designed mm-hmm. graphic. It has a yeah. photo. It has a signature at the bottom. This was a well thought out and curated post. Mm-hmm. I want somebody to do kind of the apology route where, you know, these celebrities put it on their notes app and then they post it. I want somebody to just write on the notes app. I hate it here. I can't <laughs> wait to get out. I'm perfect. I thought my coach yeah. was terrible. I hate this campus. You guys need a Chipotle. What's going on? I'm transferring immediately. <laughs> I think that's a, that would be refreshing. Refreshing, actually. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, campus wasn't what I expected. Coach wasn't what I expected. He sucked. Really didn't like my teammates. Fans uh, were terrible. You guys yeah. never showed up. Yeah. So, uh, get some better chants going. Yeah. Yuri out. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Middle finger emoji. <laughs> exactly. So the Blues last night fall 3-2 in overtime, and one of the problems with the Blues had was noted after the game by Justin Falk. It wasn't a good second period. Uh, that's that's kind of take away from the game. Uh, you know, we found a way to tie it up after the, after the second or at the end of the second there, but uh, had a good effort in the third period, but at the same time, I don't... We needed to, to play a better second period there. You know, we had, had a lead going into it and uh, kind of let them get back into the game. Um, it was tight, but I think we could have kind of turned the game a little bit there. And Michelle, as we mentioned an hour ago, we thought when Thomas scored that goal at the end of the second that the Blues would come out flying in the third period. What did Craig Berube think? Well, I thought we played better in the third. I know we didn't generate a whole lot, but, you know, we at least played the right way, in my opinion, in the third period. You know, there wasn't much going on. It was tight both ways. So, But at least we didn't give them much either. So that was important, and it was good to see. I mean, I thought our, we were spotted in the third, and then, you know, in OT, we um, just made, like, lost the puck behind the net there, and they capitalized on an opportunity. After winning nine straight, you know that the Blues were going to drop one at some point, but I love that they didn't lay an egg. I love that even though they faltered in the second period, which is uncharacteristic of this team, Randy, this team has been nails in the second period of the season. Mm-hmm. I remember on the broadcast on Saturday, they were highlighting that, and I believe they said they're, they're a plus 40 in the second period. The differential is pretty severe, but I love that the Blues battled back, that they went to OT, ended up getting a point out of this one, and after the game versus the Bruins last week, you knew that they were going to come in with a certain chip on their shoulder. It was replica Stanley Cup ring night at Enterprise right. Center. There was a lot of videos that were showing the Bruins losing. Uh, y- you knew that they were going to come with a certain energy, and they're a good team. But I think that the fact that the Blues didn't lay an egg in this one and that they were able to self-correct after the rough second period is a, is a good sign. And like Craig Bruby said, to allow only six shots in the third and get into a tight-checking playoff-type period will work to the Blues' advantage come playoff time. Overall, they were out, shot 35-22, 11-8 in the first, and then in that second period, they allowed 17 shots. You can't do that. So they really did buckle down in the third, and they've still got points in 13 straight games, and now need to take advantage of the fact that they're the better team in going to San Jose, and going to Arizona, and going to Anaheim. All three of those games, even though they're on the road, the Blues are the better team and they need to win those games because Minnesota's not going anywhere. Yeah, that's what's crazy about this. The Blues win nine straight. They pick up a point last night and they're still neck and neck in the standings. It's going to be a fight till the end from a points perspective. It's actually really fun, but really crazy the way that this is playing out down the stretch. The fact that they do have to play, though, Mm -hmm. that they don't have anything clinched, I like that better. The Blues have been in a position where they haven't had to play for the last two or three games, and it's affected them come playoff time. Previous incarnations when Ken Hitchcock was the coach, I like it better when a team has to play for something until the very end of the regular season. Keep that edge, keep that momentum Mm -hmm. as you get on the precipice of the playoffs. But also, Randy, if you even look back at this season, we discussed this a little bit yesterday when we talked about what could be concerning for us as the Blues enter the playoffs, and we talked about how at times this season Craig Berube said that they did let their foot off the gas a little bit that when it came to an opponent who might be perceived as a lesser opponent the Blues got a little arrogant at times Mm -hmm. and maybe a little lackadaisical at times so I like that even though the opponents are teams that they should be beating that because of the points that are at stake that they have to go out there and 
keep that foot on the gas as they enter the playoffs. And we noted it yesterday, the last three games the Blues have played against teams in the bottom 10 in the league, they're 3-0 and and they've outscored those teams 15-4. to Need to keep that, that up. By the time they come home, they need to have outscored six straight bottom 10 teams, 30-8. to Well, it's going to happen, Randy, because the Buchnevis-Tarasenko-Thomas line is the mm-hmm. hottest line in hockey. No one's going to stop them. Robert Thomas extending his career best point streak to 14 games last night. He has seven goals and 19 assists during this streak. It's the longest current run in the NHL. Who's stopping Robert Thomas? Nobody. He's the great one. Uh, is he the great one? Okay, not yet. The good one? He's an awesome one. Yeah. We need a better nickname for the, a better nickname than Bobby Tommy. But you don't like or Tomer? That's Tomer. what his teammates Tomer's call him. Tomer's okay. Yeah, Tomer's fine. If his teammates call him that, they they don't get an A-dub, clearly. Because they just... They don't get nicknames. but Oh, you're talking about Walks? Yeah. The Aussie? No. Nathan Walker? No, Walks is Jordan Walker at uh, Peor, uh, Springfield. You can have more than one Walks, just like we had more than one Carp on that, the Cardinals. Yeah, that's really effective when you have like Colton Preco, Perry on the bench, and then you have David Perron, Perry on the bench, and the coach says, Perry, get out there, and they both do. <laughs> that's why you get too many men on the ice penalties, Michelle. I, I don't like Perry for Pareko. Well, that's what they got. CP? That's fine. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> hey, Colt 55. That's a good one. Yeah, I like that. Remember when we asked David Perron about nicknames? This was maybe a year ago. And he said that he loved Factor. And both of us went, mm-hmm. Factor? Who's Factor? And then mm-hmm. after the segment, we thought, oh, oh O'Reilly. O'Reilly Factor. But we didn't even know that was his nickname. There's a lot of nicknames mm-hmm. within the team that are probably percolating that we don't even know about. Nadab, not not getting Colt 45 going has been a... Uh, failure by every aspect of of everyone around the Blues. Colt fifty five. Louis, yes. Yeah. His name's Colton Pareko when he wears fifty five. This has been we've and also also he's got a howitzer of a of a yeah. of a right. of a shot. How are we've been missing this one? I Good mean, point. come on. There's, there's got to be a gun show at some point in St. Louis. We could have made a joke about. Let's let's do this. Let's yep. make it happen. That is today's fresh take on one hundred and one ESPN. Coming up, we'll talk to Bernie Federko. Bernie, Federko. we got something. That's okay. No, I was trying to think of his nickname because his line mates were Sudsy and Babs, but I don't remember. Burn? I think it might have been Bernie. Yeah, that's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Blues booth. Boardwalk Hardwood Floors has great floors for every home with locations in West County, South County, St. Charles County, and our new location in Mid-County. And online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. I'm Randy Carricker. The Blues embarking on a three-game trip to the Pacific time zone after falling in overtime last night to Boston by a score of 3-2. to two. And we go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Joining us, as he does every Wednesday morning, is the Hall of Famer Bernie Federko. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Good morning, Randy. I'm doing great, thanks. Hey, what would you think overall of last night? The second period obviously was disappointing, but what was your impression of last night's game against the Bruins? Well, you know what? It's that's kind of playoff hockey now, and that's uh, you're going to have tight checking. You're going to have a lot of things that are going to happen, and uh, you know I thought the Blues to get a point last night. I think Boston. I mean, Boston seems to be the desperate team right now. They're playing with a couple of key people out. Uh, uh, they seem to uh, wanted a little more than the Blues last night. So I mean, it's just one of those things that the Blues, after winning nine straight games and 
Uh, they still get a point out of it. I, I still think that, uh, you know, getting that point, Robert Thomas, you know, scoring that goal late in the second period was big. So um, I don't worry too much about it because especially when you look at overtime, uh, the three-on-three overtime is going to be out after uh, the playoffs start, and, and, and the Blues really have not been that successful with that, and I think that kind of just throws that away. Bernie, before last night's game, as you mentioned, the Blues did win nine in a row with five games left in the regular season. What's one thing you really want to see this team focus on or what you want to see out of their game before they enter the playoffs? Well, just to be stay consistent, Michelle. I mean, they've played so well, and I, I think they just need to continue to play the way they're playing right now. I mean, uh, their special teams have been so good. I mean, killing penalties and and uh, their power play is just dynamic each and every game, and they seem to get a goal each every game. I, I think just to, to stay consistent, don't fall asleep. Uh, they've got some teams now. Obviously, these next three teams are teams that are not going to be in the playoffs going into San Jose and, and, and Arizona and Anaheim. Uh, you can't play to their level. The Blues still have to c- stay consistent and don't get into any bad habits. And I think that's what I would worry about. You know, they still get Colorado next week. Uh, will be kind of a tune-up game. And then obviously Vegas, the last game of the season. But uh, these three games, I think they just need to uh, play their solid hockey. And don't don't get into habits where, you know, where the other teams that are not going to make the playoffs kind of cheat a little bit and Blues can't be doing that. Bernie Federko is one of the great playmakers in the history of the sport. Of the thousands of players that have played in the NHL, there's only 41 players that have more assists than Bernie Federko. So I want your perspective, Bernie, as one of the all-time great playmakers, on what you're seeing in the evolution of Robert Thomas. Why has he been able to ascend to the level that he has as a playmaker? confidence right now but uh, i think it's just maturity randy i think uh, when you have a young player comes into the league i mean robert's been around for three years now so i mean uh, i think obviously when you get put on a line with a couple of guys that could really uh, play hockey that, that are really uh, you know very smart uh, with hockey sets in both tarasenko and buchnevich uh, they really uh, have some chemistry going right now and i think robert has seen the ice so well. I mean, Robert's always been a passer. I mean, I think if you go back to junior, obviously when you're a first-round draft pick, um, you're drafted for certain reasons. And uh, one of the attributes that Robert has is that the way he sees the ice, the way he passes the puck. And uh, right now it's just the evolution of, of being a little more mature. Uh, he's got more responsibility, um, you know, with his coaching staff now allowing him to kill penalties. He's uh, worked on his face-offs and, uh, he's good enough on the faceoffs now, and and he's a good faceoff man that he can take the faceoffs in in the defensive zone, uh, kill some penalties. So I mean, he's doing it all. I think it all, most of it comes down to confidence. But I mean, he made it into the into the NHL. I think because he was a playmaker from junior, and that he sees the ice and he, he knows how to dish the puck pass. He's got soft hands for passing, and I think that's just now what's happening is that uh, it's it's come to fruition, and and now he's he's being the type of player that he always wanted to be. Bernie, home ice is still at stake in the playoffs for the Blues as they close out the regular season. We spoke to David Perron a couple weeks ago, and he mentioned that while, of course, they love playing at Enterprise Center in front of their fans, that sometimes he doesn't mind starting the playoffs on the road because it gets the Blues in a business mindset and the schedule's a little bit different when you're on the road. What are your thoughts on that? When you look at this Blues team, how crucial do you think it is for them to get home ice? Well, I always like home ice advantage. I mean, I've always have. I, I think it's always a, a, a big plus to play in front of your home fans because especially uh, when you need to get some momentum going, the, the crowd can really get behind you and, and, and help you with that momentum. But with that being said, I mean, if you look at, uh, you know, the history of the game right now, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you go back to 2019, the Blues won three or four games in Boston. Uh, you know, they won all three games in Winnipeg in the first round. 
they play very well on the road. We've been talking about the road record of the Blues for, for a, a number of years since uh, Craig Bruby took over this team. But um, certainly the Blues wouldn't be afraid to start on the road. And sometimes David's got a lot of uh, really a lot of uh, uh, good factors with that because you are you get into mindset. You're in a hotel room. Uh, you know what you have to do. You know it's business, so you can get your job done, get back, and you still want to get back home. I and mean, that's what you're always trying to do is get back home in front of the home crowd. Um, and so, so there is a, a lot to do with that. But with that being said, I still, I still like uh, uh, being the home team because because of the crowd. And I think that's the most important thing there is. But certainly, I would never be afraid for this team to start on the road. A couple more things for Bernie Federko. What is your impression right now of Bennington? Does Bernie Federico think that Bennington is back? I think so. I mean, that's really hard to say. Small, it's right, right now, it's, it's still small sample size. Uh, the last couple of games, he's played very well. Um, but I really never ever thought that Jordan Bennington really lost it. I, I thought that he had some some issues, obviously, with confidence uh, going through parts of the year this year. And I think every goaltender goes through that. And the fact of the matter is that he's really just been outplayed by Billy Husso. Uh, so is he gone uh, and, and lost all the, the, the great things that he's done in his career so far? No. Uh, now, I really believe that uh, right now, I think that they, they believe that Billy is the number one goaltender. He's going to get the starts. And we saw that last night. But uh, I don't think that I think that there's any a uh, little uh, blip in the radar screen. I, I think that the, the Blues would not be afraid to throw Jordan Bennington in there and have just as much confidence confidence in Bennington as they do in, in Billy Husso. So I think it's a wash right now. And uh, yes, if, if, if I'm answering that question, Randy, yeah, I think that Bennington is Bennington again. And finally, Bernie, uh, I was 15 years old when the Islanders drafted Mike Bossy, who passed away of lung cancer last week at the age of 65. And I want people to go to Hockey Reference and look at Mike Bossy's career. He played 10 years in the NHL. The first nine, he scored at least 51 goals in each of his first nine seasons. A contemporary fellow Hall of Famer, he was drafted the year after you were. Can you just tell people that might not have had an opportunity to see Mike Bossy what sort of a player he was for the Islanders? Well, he was a sniper. That's just the only way to say it. I mean, he was always around the net. He had a great shot. I mean, you know, that line with Brian Trotje and Clark Gillies was one of the all-time great lines. Uh, and it's a shame. Like, well, you know, it's so sad to see, you know, Mike gone at 65 years old, 64 or whatever he was. But, I mean, he was uh, really the first really great natural goal scorer. I mean, we we talked about, you know, we've talked about so many great goal scorers that have come through. I mean, Rocky Richard, you go back, was the original guy. But I think Mike Bossy was, was one of those guys that uh, uh, came in. And, 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 and it's a shame that Randy, he only, as you said, he only played 10 years. Uh, he had a bad, bad back. Wasn't able to continue to play after the 10 years, but uh, uh, he was probably the most natural sniper that uh, I've ever seen because the puck was on his on his stick and it was off his stick so fast. And he was one of the big reasons, obviously, that the uh, Islanders had that dynasty through their years. Yeah, that was he was amazing to watch as somebody who wasn't a hockey player. And the numbers, like you said, that he put up were absolutely astounding. Bernie, always good to get your insight. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. And we'll be watching you as the Blues head out west. Thanks, you guys. You have a great day. Take care. That's the great Bernie Federko. Michelle, here's the, the rundown. First nine years in the league. He was drafted, by the way, 18 years old. He comes into the league, Bossy does. Uh, I'm sorry, 20 years old. So his age 21 season, 
53 goals, then 69 to lead the league when he was 22 years old, then 51, then 68, then 64, then 60, then 51, then 58, then 61, and as Bernie mentioned, the bad back, and he only scored 38 in his last season in the league. Oh, only 38. Yeah. What a prolific scorer. Yeah, and that was, like like Bernie said, there might not have been a tougher guy in the history of the league than Clark Gillies on left wing. At center, you had Brian Trottier, who was perhaps the best two-way center in the history of the league, and then Bossy, the best sniper on right wing. I have just a little insight um, into what we do every, at 8.30 every day. I have a bunch of different lists that, that kick out stuff to me that happens every day, mm-hmm. and I have one list that I guess is curated by somebody who lives in New York because they have kicked out so many on this day. Mike Bossy scored this many this hat trick for like the eighth time this season. It's like every day during hockey season, I see something where it's like Mike Bossy set an NHL record for hat tricks. Mm-hmm. Mike Bossy set the most hat tricks in, in one season, this thing. The guy scored in gluts all the time. I dove into his hockey reference page just because he kept popping up, and I was like, these numbers are ridiculous. How did I not know this guy You know more? How has he not talked about more in the echelon of great scores? He was unbelievable. Yeah, and they came in here, the Islanders did, late in that 80-81 season. The Blues wound up finishing with the second-best record in the league to the Islanders, and I remember him coming in and that team coming in and being so afraid of what, he was capable of. He was the one guy with all the great players on that team that everybody was scared of, and the Blues wound up losing 6-4, and I thought he had a hat trick in that game. Let me just double-check here for you. Uh, he was awesome. That's all you need to know is that Mike Bossy was awesome, and if you get a chance to see Mike Bossy highlights, they're pretty cool. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. That's Matthew. And coming up next, we've got the fight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Character. It's that time. It's that time of the morning where we have a fight. Randy Carricker takes on one of our great listeners in a sports trivia competition. Randy's known as Megamind, but someone beat him this week, so maybe he's a little vulnerable. I don't know. Let's see if AJ can do it. He's our listener who's going to fight Randy this morning. He's joining us now on 101 ESPN. Good morning, AJ. How are you? Hey, good morning, Michelle. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for asking. Are you ready to take on Randy in the fight? Yes, ma'am, I am. All right, AJ, good luck to you. Let's go. Question number one. If Adam Wainwright starts a full 30 games this year, he will pass Jesse Haynes to move into third for most career pitcher starts behind only Bob Gibson and what other Cardinal? Is it Bill Doak, Bob Forsh, or Slim Solly? I'm going to go with Bob Forsh. Number two, who is the leading scorer for the Blues in the month of April? Is it Robert Thomas, Vladimir Tarasenko, or Pavel Buchnevich? I'm going to say Vladimir Tarasenko. AJ, are you getting abducted by aliens? What's going on there, my man? What's that that, that noise in the background? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm a truck driver. I'm actually driving right now, and it's raining, so that might be just brain hit one shield. All good. But be safe. Be safe. All right, AJ. Question number three: Which Major League Baseball player holds the record 
for career Grand Slams? Is it Lou Gehrig, Eddie Murray, or Alex Rodriguez? I'm going to say Alex Rodriguez. And number four, on this day during the 1996 draft, for the first and only time, a wide receiver was drafted first overall. Who was that receiver? Was it Kevin Dyson, Andre Risen, or Keyshawn Johnson? Not real sure on that. I'm going to go with Keyshawn Johnson. All right. Checking AJ's score. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. Confirmed. Waving in Randy. AJ, you did good. You did good. That's all I can say. Can't reveal how good. But just let you know you did good. Randy has his, uh, oh, same ones. Okay, I thought they were different. I thought no, they just, were. Just do me a favor. Just pop open the bag and just kind of not waft it up into the studio for me. Garlic almonds just, for Randy. Just give it a nice Heart little. Healthy. Randy, while you're doing that, please say good morning to AJ. AJ, good morning. How's it going? Hey, good morning, Randy. I'm doing good. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Okay, I'm letting everybody smell the garlic, herb, and olive oil, uh, blue diamond almonds. So that they, these Italian people, they love that stuff. <laughs> these You're Italian not wrong. People. You know what? I was going to get, I was get angry says. about the the, the the way he phrased that, but he's he's 100% correct. <laughs> these Italian people. Yeah, get angry at him. He's right. These Italian people. Yep. I won't forget that one, Randy. Sleep with one eye open. Randy, are you ready to fight? I'm ready. All right. I mean versus AJ, not us. Right. Okay, yeah, great. <laughs> Question number one, Randy. If Adam Wainwright starts a full 30 games this year, he will pass Jesse Haynes to move into third for most career pitcher starts behind only Bob Gibson and what other Cardinal? Pass Jesse Haynes and move into third in pitching starts? Yes. Career pitcher starts for the Cardinals. Behind Jesse Haynes and what other Cardinal? Correct. No, he'll pass Jesse he'll Haynes. Pass Jesse oh, Haynes. Behind behind Bob Gibson. Bob Gibson. And what other Cardinal? Thank you, Matt. Okay, what other Cardinal would it be? Um, I know this, but I don't know this, so I'll do the lifeline. Bill Doak, Bob Forsh, Slim Solly. I'm... Bill Doak pitched a lot for the Cardinals. Sort of Vorshi. But I'm going to go Bill Doak. Who is the leading scorer for the Blues in the month of April? So this would be since April 1st. Well, it's either going to be Thomas or Tarasenko. I don't need a lifeline here. (laughs) And I'm going to go with uh, that big week last week. I'm going to go with Vladdy. Randy, which Major League Baseball player holds the record for career Grand Slams? I believe it's A-Rod. Go with him. And on this day during the 1996 draft for the first and only time, a wide receiver was selected first overall. Who was that wide receiver? Well, Irving Fryer was taken first overall in 1984, so that's not correct. Uh, I thought it was the first time. Nope. Well, the last time the wide receiver was taken first overall, and then it was the 1996 draft. Okay. Who was that wide receiver? Uh, that was Keyshawn. Give me the damn ball, Johnson. <laughs> Is that his government name? Yeah. <laughs> Keyshawn, give me the damn ball, Johnson. I've had that stat wrong in my head for 20 years. Really? I've had it in my head that he was the first and only one in my head like for literally since I was like 12 years old. How about that? This is a bad day for me. This oh. is just break. I mean, what are you gonna tell me? You, you, you know. Just ruin other truths for me? This is unbelievable. Sorry. But it's not a truth. No, it's not. Just saying. Yeah, you're, you're not wrong. Now, now I'm sad. Truth. Now I'm sad. Not as sad as one of these two guys is going to be because one of them lost the fight yeah, this morning. Yeah, I know. Is a three to two score. 
Is AJ victorious, or is Randy going to play 15 sounders to celebrate? I am not. I only play one. Oh, come on. You play like six minimum. We've got All I Do Is Win. We've got Just Win Baby. We've got, I mean, I don't need to go But Michelle, it's not even going to happen today because I lost. I know I lost. You know what? Ring the bell. Yeah, I knew. Congratulations, AJ. You beat Randy. Before the fight, I said, I don't know. I think Randy might be a little vulnerable this week. I don't know what the yeah. deal is. But, AJ, you are our winner. Three to two. Congratulations. Awesome. Thank you, guys. No problem, Thank AJ. Um, we're going to let you go so that you can focus on driving. But thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you at this time again tomorrow as you come back to defend your crown, okay? All right. So, yeah, thank you, guys. Talk to, y'all. talk to you guys tomorrow. All right. Thanks, bye, AJ. AJ. Which one did you know you got wrong? It was forced. Yeah, okay. But did you know about the other one that you got wrong? No, I guess you don't. I guess you don't know which other one. Mm. So let's run through it. How about that? How about that? If Adam Wainwright starts a full 30 games this year, he's going to pass Jesse Hain to move into third for most career pitching starts for the Cardinals behind only Bob Gibson and, as you mentioned, Bob Forsh with 401 for Forshee. Mm-hmm. The leading scorer for your St. Louis Blues in the month of April is Robert Thomas. Oh, it was a flip, coin flip there. He has uh, 21, and Vladimir Tarasenko has 20. Great trivia. (laughs) Wait, hold on a second. What? Go to number three. (laughs) What? Go ahead. That's one that's going to be asked at trivia nights throughout the world over the course of the next 10 years. I'm sure. Yeah. Who led the St. Louis Blues in scoring in April of 2022? That's great. How salty were those almonds, Randy? It's a little <laughs> salty in this room. Which Major League Baseball player holds the record for career career Grand Slams hit? You knew that one. It was A-Rod. Hmm? 25. That's a lot. It's a lot of Grand Slams. Yes, it is. It's, that list is wild. And on this day, during the 1996 draft, I guess the last the time last. a wide receiver mm-hmm. was drafted first overall was Keyshawn Johnson, who you hear before us right here on 101 ESPN. Yeah, he was, talk- the, uh, Sorry, he was talking about that today. I oh, bet he was. That uh, that was uh, the draft that the St. Louis Rams took Lawrence Phillips. Didn't oh. turn out so great. No, yeah. thanks. And then I gotta Eddie, go back, gotta go back and look Kinsley. at that full draft now. That is that a-, a lot of talent though. Well, yeah, there he, Lawrence. Yeah, Lawrence had a lot of talent. A lot of there's talent. no doubt. But he just uh, yeah he didn't have it upstairs. Obviously, yeah, so, yeah. So you had that's yeah, a pretty good draft. Uh, yeah. Not fantastic, but I mean, you got you got three Hall of Famers in the first round. So, do we know how many times a wide receiver was drafted number one overall? Is it only two? I believe it is two. Uh, there might have been one in the in the yeah. See, in the AFL, uh, a guy named John Roderick. Hmm. But I think in the NFL draft, it was only those two. Uh, Dave Parks in 1964. Wow. So yeah, there's he only, was in the NFL. So yeah, there's, NFL. Yeah, there's only four. Yeah, yeah, the Irving Fryer in '84. Still a rarity. Just completely blank. Yeah. Just had no idea. Yep. Kind of surprising. It is, and people thought, obviously, because he was the first pick in the draft, people thought Irving Fryer was going to be really good, and he wound up being pretty much a bust. He got hurt a lot, and uh, you, one thing that I can tell people is, you don't take a wide receiver, especially in those days, from Nebraska. That was not a brilliant move on the part of the Patriots. But they did. People would say the same thing about, you know, wide receivers from Georgia Tech. 
Yeah, they worked out once or twice. That's true. Uh, the other, by the way, let's see if any Hall of Famers were drafted in that first round. No, there weren't. So that wasn't a great draft either. That was, let's see, 1984. I'll tell you who the St. Louis Cardinals drafted. Was That, that was Clyde the Glide Duncan. Mm-mm. So we wound up with the second wide receiver in that draft. Uh, fun little story. Quick story. I'll give it to you in 30 seconds. Love a quick story. First time that Hanny has been allowed in the draft room with Bill Bidwell and uh, George Boone. And... So Hanny has told George Boone that he wants a big wide receiver, and Clyde Duncan is pretty good sized. He is six uh, one and two hundred and two pounds. So they get down to the spot, and surprisingly to everybody in the room, Lewis Lips from this is uh, I think Mississippi State, maybe Southern Miss, uh, Southern Miss. He's still on the board, and Bidwell turns to Hanny and says, "Hey, Louis Lips is still on the board. What are you thinking here?" And Hanny says. <sighs> Well, I talked to Don and Ernie Zampezi in San Diego, and they really love Louis Lips. They think he's going to be great. And Bidwell turns to George <laughs> Boone and says, let's take Duncan. <laughs> Why? Once Don Coriel's name was thrown into the equation, into the conversation, they decided to go with Clyde Duncan. And Louis Lips, well, I'll give you another quick story. Louis Lips wound up being really good for Pittsburgh Offensive Rookie of the Year. So... First day of minicamp, I'm producing the OJ and EJ show, OJ Anderson, EJ Jr. First day of minicamp. And I walk into the studio. They're doing the show themselves. It's a couple of pro football players. And I have a pretty good relationship with the guys. And I say, so how'd Clyde look? And OJ says, man, he can't catch. His hands are boards. He can't catch at all. Wow. And I said, well, at least he can run a little bit, right? Because we were told he ran a 4-3-8-40. And the, these guys both start laughing, like fall off the chair laughing. I said, what? what's going on? And OJ says, man, we ran 40s today. Clyde ran against EJ, and EJ beat him. <laughs> a middle linebacker what? beating a first-round wide receiver. No. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, it was bad. Yikes. And then he wound up scoring one touchdown in his very last game for the Cardinals. You know what? That seems like a familiar tale, Randy, of you talking about a St. Louis whether it's Cardinals or Rams, mm-hmm. draft pick. Yeah. And pretty early on in the training camp, following that draft selection, someone mm-hmm. telling you that guy can't play. Jason Smith? Yeah, he was that guy. There's a yeah. couple of those. He'll, he'll never play left tackle for you. Wait, wait, first day of minicamp? And he'll <laughs> never play left tackle for us? Yikes. Oh, what? <laughs> Not great. What was your reaction when someone told you that? I can't even imagine. Uh, it, it was stunned sadness because I knew that they should have taken somebody else. Yes. So Mike Claiborne will remember the Clyde Duncan draft. He's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Cardinals and Marlins getting ready for the second of three. Mike Claiborne is in for John Rooney on the broadcast during this series. And Claibs joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing well. After last night, it was a good win for the Cardinals. And uh, hopefully we can get another one. We'll have our hands full tonight with our contract, though. Oh, no doubt about it. Claibs, before (laughs) we get to the Cardinals, I was just telling the story about 1984 when Jim Hannafin got into the draft room for the first time and Clyde Duncan and Louie Lips were both on the board for the football Cardinals. What do you remember about that? 
Well, you know, that was when George Boone was in charge of the draft. And, and there were a number of years where, um, you know, we had situations we just shook our heads, like the year when they drafted uh, Kelly Stoff and somebody <laughs> said, oh, my God, they drafted a woman. <laughs> uh, but I think that – was that the one, Randy, where uh, George Boone admitted that he never met Clyde Duncan because he might not like him? Was that the one? I – that might have been. That might have been. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever met the young man. Yeah, he said, because I might not like him. Right, right. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I mean, it was, folks, if you weren't around during that era, to sit and, and watch how the football Cardinals conducted their draft, it, I mean, they get locked up right now if, if they try that <laughs> in St. Louis. I mean, they, somebody would arrest them for some sort of felonious stupidity, I think would be the charge. <laughs> Uh, it was just – it was comical every year. And coaches had no impact, none, on the draft. I mean, they didn't even get a chance to work guys out. So it was just – it was maybe the most bizarre era of football that we've ever had in St. Louis. Now, the Rams had a couple of Lulus as well, but <laughs> the, the Cardinals were in the clubhouse with the lead by a significant margin. Well, the essence of the Cardinals was in 1986 – they used to have all the media up in the Bush Stadium press room, and I got the Joel Bushbaum book and got Joel's top 100 possibilities. And then just in case, I put Mr. X. So I sold 101 slips of paper out of a cap, and you, you gave a buck, and you could pick a name out of, out of the cap. One through 100 plus X. And... They took Anthony Bell, who wasn't in Joel Bushbaum's top 100. Michigan State linebacker. Exactly. (laughs) And I think it was Kevin Horrigan, maybe, that got X and won the $101. Because 1 through 100 were not on Joel Bushbaum's. uh, Anthony Bell wasn't in that list. It was, again, as as we're older, we look back on that. I don't even know how they kept had a team. I'm surprised the NFL didn't take the franchise away from them. Because it was just... It was between comical and embarrassing, uh, and everybody in the league knew how bad they mm-hmm. were uh, as far as drafting, and I was amazed that they even had these guys on the field. I mean, go back to 71 when they drafted Larry Steegen, yeah. who had two knee surgeries before they drafted him. Never played it down. I never played it down. He was a first-round pick. I mean, there was you can go back through history and look at every year, and I, I guarantee you I could pull one out and you'd say, give me the story on them, and you'd shake your head. Right, it was unbelievable. It was incredible. All right, let's get to the Cardinals, because there were a lot of good things that happened last night. And how about the Cardinals winning a game and scoring five runs without hitting a home run? Yeah, the extra base hit was the big key last night. Both teams had eight hits. The Cardinals had four extra base hits of the the eight. Uh, But I really felt like the defense set the tone in the first inning. Arnado with a tremendous play, but Goldschmidt with a tremendous play to keep his foot on the bag to end the inning. Bader set up a runner who thought he, he, Bader was going to throw the third, and he turned and pivoted through the second, and they threw him out. Tommy Edmond with a great tag. Uh, and, and that's going to be the marquee for this team for the whole year is their defense. But timely hitting was good last night. You can see a couple of guys who've been fighting it, like Carlson's been fighting it a little bit. I thought he had some better at-bats last night. But overall, it was a very good team effort. The, the bullpen continues to be solid as well. 
claims Albert Pujols had two hits. He scored uh, twice last night. We saw the wheels as well. But he's six for nine against lefties so far this season. And for all the consternation about Albert Pujols being a nostalgia, uh, a nostalgia acquisition, and how much does he have left in the tank? He's proving the Cardinals right on this one. He really has, Michelle. And when you look at what he's done against lefties so far. You, uh, again, and I said this at the beginning, we know he's going to play against left-handers. But I think there's also, there has to be a secret list somewhere of righties that he's lit up in the past also because the, I think teams would avoid him. I think teams would probably say we're not going to face, throw lefty at him because there aren't that many experienced lefties in the National League. You know, all these lefties we're seeing are young guys who really don't understand how to get Albert out. So if you're some of these teams, you say to yourself, we're not going to crush this guy's confidence by having Albert tune him up, so maybe he'll skip a start, or maybe we'll miss him somewhere along the way. So I think the challenge would be how many lefties can Albert see over the course of a season. And then I think Ali Marmol has a challenge in getting Corey Dickerson into games. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, but, you know, there's going to be more opportunities because we're going to see a lot of righties. And I, I, I like Corey Dickerson's approach. I mean, he's a hitter. Okay, Uh, I don't know if he hits as much power as he once did, but just watching his approaches early in this in the season gives me a feeling that if he gets into a groove and sees a few righties along the way, he's going to really put up some some good numbers as a D.H. Um, Clips, we saw Yadier Molina with Adam Wainwright last night, but we've seen a lot of Andrew Kisner so far this season because of Yadier dealing with that soreness. What have been your early observations of what you've seen out of Kisner? I like what I see. Uh, you know, this year he played winter ball, and he really studied the game. He, I mean, he's a real student of the game. You have to remember, this is a position he is still learning. You know, he was a shortstop, moved to third base, now a catcher. So he's learning the nuances of what it takes to be a catcher. We always thought he could hit. Uh, he's shown a lot more a presence in the, in the batter's box now as a, as a hitter. So I like it, and I think the Cardinals trust him as well, hence the reason they're not uh, pressing Yachty to try and play more early because they want to let him make sure he gets healthy. He said yesterday that, you know, he's still trying to get in shape. He said, I was late and, you know, I need to get in, in shape. And so I think the fact that Kisner has played well when given the opportunity gives him more time and not feel like there's an urgency to get back in the lineup compared to years past where whoever they had wasn't really an offensive threat and maybe was struggled a little bit behind the plate also. Hey, Klaibs, uh the Cardinals obviously will uh, handle, go, get through this one. Then they get to Cincinnati. Cincinnati lost their catcher last night. Did you see the play with uh, Luke Voigt's slide? Yeah, I did. And, Tom, and Tommy Pham. You don't want to get Tommy Pham mad at you. <laughs> no, you don't. And you know what? This is a guy who's been with the team for less than a month. And, you know, he's all about teammates. And for those who think he's not, I think this is a good example. You know, he was like, we can get a gym and get this settled. I, I thought Voigt. You know, they changed the rule a few years ago where, you know, you have one side of the plate, catcher has the other side, but you can't roll a guy over like they used to. And, and I thought Voigt didn't react as quick as he needed to. Uh, I don't know if I'd call it dirty, but it's certainly something that that's, it's somewhere between unprofessional and, and, and dirty with regard to how he extended his hands and really he hurt that kid. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, that's a play that he could have avoided, in my opinion. You know, and, and Luke's, Luke used to be a catcher. He knows what that's about. So, you know, it's a tough call, uh, but you kind of admire both of those guys trying to play hard. One is playing hard, and that's what they'll tell you in San Diego, and the other one is trying to defend a teammate. 
so it'll be interesting to see how things will develop around the batting cage today, I would think. And finally, big doings at Claves Online. Big doings for sure. The Joe West podcast drops in early May. Uh, we're still uh, gathering guests, and we've already put a couple in the can. Uh, we'll have a case week as far as our, our first visit with her on the podcast. And, of course, you have the daily cards with Rammer and uh, Joe Roderick. And, of course, the marquee item of ClavesOnline.com is the two-man game with Bob Ramsey and very, very good Matt Rocchio, which I, I find to be as entertaining as informative as there is on radio when it comes to the podcast ways uh, because they cover basketball. Opinions matter. Time now for today's Big Thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seiden Stricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. Nine oh seven in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Adam Wainwright coming up in just a few minutes. Michelle, interesting news out of baseball this morning, especially because back in nineteen eighty, Willie Mays was banned from baseball, banned from doing anything in baseball because he was hired by a casino in Atlantic City as a greeter and an autograph signer. Three years later, same thing happened to Mickey Mantle. Two of well, I could think you could say the two preeminent players in baseball throughout the 50s and early 60s. 1989, Pete Rose, of course, banned from baseball for betting on the sport. This morning comes word that Maxim Bet and Rockies outfielder Charlie Blackman, Maxim Bet and Rockies outfielder Charlie Blackman, have reached a partnership that will have him appearing as a brand ambassador in marketing campaigns, promotions, and social media content at fan events for the online sports book. Here we have a sport that has Pete Rose banned, and baseball really doesn't show much inclination to bring him back, yet... They have completely embraced gambling. But as gambling gets legalized in more and more states here in America, baseball is clearly embracing it. And that was indicated with the new CBA because marketing and sponsorship deals with sports books were initially restricted to league and team entities, but prohibited for players and coaches. But that was negotiated in the CBA that now players and team personnel would be able to endorse betting, Mm -hmm. but they're strictly prohibited from betting on the game because that obviously compromises the integrity of the game but if stadiums and organizations are going to be promoting it why not players as long as they don't pull a Calvin Ridley and actually bet on games I don't know why that this wouldn't be something that baseball players would be getting their or dipping their toe into and that's the slippery slope isn't it because we do gambling spots and the company that we work with FanDuel Sportsbook they want us to participate they they want us to bet now Blackman per the policy that you just described Michelle isn't allowed to promote betting on baseball if you hire a major league baseball player to promote a betting site what are you doing when he's when his face is on your billboard or he's on TV promoting it what else are you promoting so I was reading about this during the break, and he said that he's going to be surprising fans with incredible, quote, money can't buy experiences all season. I think whether Charlie Blackman says anything about betting on baseball or not, the fact that you have a Major League Baseball player endorsing Max and Bet, which is a gambling entity, isn't that, without saying anything, him endorsing gambling in baseball? Here is a baseball player who enjoys gambling, mm-hmm. period. Oh, by the way, I can also bet on baseball games? Great. And I actually think that this is great for baseball. We talk all 
all the time about how baseball needs to really focus on fan engagement and get with the tone of the fan and and really drill into what the modern day baseball fan wants, the younger baseball fan wants. And what do people want to do these days? Mm -hmm. They want to gamble specifically on their mobile devices. And so the more baseball players can get involved and endorse things that a lot of people are using and get their faces out there, I think that's good for baseball. I don't disagree with that at all. But I do think it's somewhat hypocritical. Now, granted, Pete Rose did bet. The evidence shows that he bet against uh, the team that was playing the Reds. He, he bet on other games, uh, but he never bet on the Reds to lose. He bet on the Reds to win. With all of this, I do think that baseball looks somewhat hypocritical if if they're going to completely embrace betting if they don't have Pete Rose as part of the deal. And nobody's going to hire Pete Rose. He's 80 years old. Nobody's going to hire him as a manager or anything. I just think that it would be smart and less hypocritical for baseball to bring Pete Rose back under the umbrella. I think the context is different. There's a lot of nuance to this conversation. As you mentioned, the games that he bet on and what the state of betting was then Mm -hmm. at the time, it would be, I think, a nice gesture for baseball to absolve Pete Rose of, of all of the, uh, the shame that has surrounded him. I couldn't think of a better word off the top of my head, but there, there's been a lot of controversy and, and frankly shame that surrounded what Pete Rose did. But if they are embracing gambling, and why shouldn't they? If it's if it's illegal in 30 states and the District of Columbia right now, why shouldn't baseball be embracing this? Look at what it's done for the, the NFL. But I do think that it would be a gesture of goodwill yeah. for them to bring Pete Rose back into the fold. And that's a... As you mentioned, Michelle, that's a lot of forgiving because he lied for a long time about gambling on baseball. He was he he showed no remorse, and that was one of the things that baseball had an issue with. But I do think now, especially because gambling is such a big part of it, heck, you might as well utilize him. Yeah, absolutely. And look at what the Astros did with their sign-stealing scandal. Yeah. How many of those guys didn't show remorse? How Great. many of those guys really affected the integrity of the game and the outcome of games? And they didn't seek any they didn't have any punishment that was coming down on them. So I don't know. I just think that the punishment for Pete Rose has certainly fit the crime. I think that he's endured this punishment for long enough. And if the tenor of the way that baseball views gambling is changing, maybe you do reopen that conversation. And at some point, more and more baseball players are going to join Charlie Blackman in promoting betting sites. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, Adam Wainwright, and Wednesdays with Wayno next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Getting you inside the cards. Inside corner, and he struck him out. That's strikeout number 1,000 at Bush Stadium for Adam Wainwright. It's Redbirds pitcher Adam Wainwright on 101 ESPN. Third time through the lineup, he strikes out seven, and he strikes out the side in the seventh inning. Presented by Chick-fil-A. Earn points on your next mobile order with the Chick-fil-A app. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, and we head to Miami where Adam Wainwright got the win for the Cardinals last night against the Marlins. And it's Wednesdays with Wayno. Adam, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are y'all doing? Everything's outstanding here in St. Louis. And congratulations on the victory. And especially coming off of your start in Milwaukee, I know that you hate to have back-to-back starts where you don't get a win, and that's the most important thing for you. Going into a game last night, what what is your general objective? Well, the, 
the, the objective last night was just to get back to what I do. And Mad Dog always reminds me what I do. That's a, I'm just a professional pitch maker. And so what, what burned me in uh, Milwaukee was that, you know, especially with two outs, I got a little loose and didn't make pitches on the edges where I usually pitch. And, uh, and that's, you know, pretty – pretty out of the norm for me to, to throw balls in the middle of the plate. And last, and last night I did a better job, not still not the best, but a better job of, of making pitches on the edges. And when you're throwing, when you're locating pitches and changing speeds on the edges of the plate, it's very hard to get base hits. It's very hard to drive the ball and hit extra base hits, especially. And so usually that's where you get, you get beat is with extra base hits with home runs and doubles. And uh, and they just don't hit those, Randy, on balls that are located, you know. And so I just had to get back to, to locating the ball, throwing better quality pitches, because big league hitters will make you pay if you don't. Adam, we saw the Gold Glove Cardinal defense, the best defense in baseball, on display last night in the bottom of the first. Let's take a listen to this play from Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. With two outs, and Garcia pulls it left side, backhanded. Arenado throws the stretch. Goal Glovers on both ends from foul territory. Arenado at the stretch by Goldie. An unbelievable play from two of your teammates last night. Adam, take us through that play from your vantage point. What were you thinking in that moment, and how difficult is something like that to execute? Uh, I'll be honest. What I was thinking was, this is going to be cool. As soon as as I saw, you know, he was going to be able to get to that ball. I mean, there's very few balls that are hit down lines that are that the, our guys are not going to get to. I mean, they just they have great range. They play in the right spots, and you know, if I make the pitch I'm trying to make, usually they hit it where those guys are. And and it's hard to defend. Jimmy Edmonds used to say it all the time. It's hard to defend the ball down the middle, but we know where to play if you can locate the ball. And so, um, thinking Arenado, man, he catches that ball, and then you know he he's he's the world's biggest traveler. He. Uh, He's going to take more than four or five steps when he before he throws the ball. Sometimes you're like, "Where is he going?" But but you you know now it just it works and that's how he does it and that's it makes like style points go way up when he does that. But I'll tell you what I thought was the most impressive part of that whole play. Yeah, Nolan. I mean, to make that throw from the other dugout was crazy, right? But the most important thing, the most impressive thing to me on that whole play was Goldie catching that ball in full extension, keeping his toes on the on the bag. Um, because, you know, it's, it's a great play by Nolan. He throws it a long ways all the way across the infield. But if, you, if Goldie doesn't go, you know, completely parallel to the ground right there and keep his, just the tip of his toe on the bag, then that's not, that play's not made. So I was just – I was laughing my head off at watching these two studs just <laughs> perform their crafts because it's just it's so amazing to watch day in and day out. Adam, you played with Scott Rowland behind you. You're playing now with Nolan Arenado behind you. Is there a way to compare and contrast those two defensively? I was trying to do that with Yachty the other day on the bench. Just, you know, Nolan had made a play in Milwaukee, and, and it was like a one-hop, 105-mile-an-hour liner that he just kind of ate, and it looked like it was just, you know, it, it was hit 80 instead of 105, and he just made it look so easy. And I just said, man, is, is he better than Scott? I mean, like, you know, he just he keeps doing things that 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 make me uh, kind of in awe. And, 
and we both agreed that um, we wouldn't make that comparison. I mean, it's just really impossible to compare people from different eras. They both they both have a, a an unbelievable way of throwing the ball chest high every time across the diamond uh, and a perfect throw from all kinds of different angles and different. You know, they both go left and right really well, which is which is rare, by the way. Sometimes, like people can go to their left real good and, and, and they're just kind of okay going the right or opposite. But both of those guys go uh, both ways so good and both of them had such an accurate throwing arm. I mean, it's hard to I, – I would, I would hear it from one of them if I said one of them was better <laughs> than the other. I mean, I think I have an answer, but I, I, I just don't want to get into it. <laughs> Smart Fair man. Enough. Smart man, Adam. <laughs> well, speaking of Yachty or Molina, last night, 307 starts for you and Yachty. You're now in sole possession of third place, third time in Major League Baseball history as a battery. And I know you guys are going for the overall record, but what does it mean for you to be in sole possession of third place with 307 starts with Yachty? Well, it's really a crazy number. I mean, you know, I, I kind of look at him and go, hey, you know, if you hadn't missed some time, we'd be way ahead of that. He looks at me and goes, oh, really? You're going to say that to me? Like, uh, but we have fun with it. We, we have fun together in a lot of in pretty much everything we do. But uh, it's just it's a it's a real blessing to me to play catch with Yachty for this long. Um, and that's a record that, you know, quite honestly, will probably never get broken so it's a really neat thing but right now we're just going for 308 you know we, we uh we're going one at a time and, and we'll just let it sneak us sneak up on us when we get there you know what i think is cool adam is there have been 22,609 players that have played in the major leagues of all of the billions of men in the world in the last 150 years 22,609 have played major league baseball a lot fewer than that have been pitchers and catchers and to see Wainwright and Molina and then only four names above Wainwright and Molina it's Spahn and Crandall Lolich and Freehand that in and of itself to me is really a cool perspective it is, but you know more than I'll, I'll tell you. Maybe not more, but but probably more than the battery record is the winning record. Um, the most wins of any battery. We're coming up on them. And Spawn and and who was it? Spawn, Spawn and Crandall. Spawn and Spawn and Crandall, right? Yeah, that they're they're at two hundred and two wins as a battery. We have two hundred and one wins as a battery, <laughs> and. Uh, we're about to pass that. I mean, you know, that hopefully hopefully we pass it by a lot. But that's the most important stat in the game, no matter what anybody says, is wins and losses. I mean, you know, you could have a great war and you can have a great um, uh, on-base plus slugging and you can have a great ERA and you don't win. doesn't doesn't really matter, does it? So um, as a team sport, the most important thing you can do is win the game. And and, uh, and that's what Yachty and I, last night we looked at each other and said, we got – you know, one more to tie the all-time record. That's pretty neat. You know, so that's that's kind of what we're closing in on ourselves. Adam, you're always a happy and positive guy. I know you really love your craft. You love playing baseball. But I can't help but notice how much you and all of your teammates are smiling this year. Every time I see a shot of you in the dugout with your teammates, you just seem to have this ease about you. You're really enjoying yourself. With, with Yachty there, Albert Pujols back in the mix, so many great teammates. How much fun are you having right now? Well, maybe too much fun because uh, because I'm in the dugout last night, or I'm on the on the field last night, and and uh, I said this to the press last night because I and I feel like it's a pretty good line, so I'm gonna give it to y'all too. But one thing that I realized, uh, I made kind of a you know 
went kind of a long ways to field a ground ball to my to the first base side last night and, and just carried it on out and touched first and got the out. And, and uh, one thing I realized is, you know, when you're getting old is when everybody on the field tries to give you extra time to recover from something, you know, <laughs> I got done making that play and touch first and I'm thinking, all right, that was pretty cool. You know, it's one of the longer ones I've, I've had in a while to go and reach a ball or a ball. And, and, uh, and as I'm on my way back to the, the mound, I'll, you know, behind mighty Goldie in the background goes, Hey, take your time. Make sure you take your time. Don't rush it. Don't rush it. Take your time. I'm like, all right, just relax. So I'm good. I'm in good shape. And then I get to the mound and Nolan Arenado is there. And he, uh, he's bending down acting like he needs the rosin trying to get me extra time. And, and he doesn't say, you know, take your time. Cause he's obviously trying to make me take more time. And then, you know, and I'm like, all right, get the heck out of here. You know? And, and then finally I get up on the mound and, I'm about to, you know, get all serious again and locked in. And then, and Yachty, <laughs> he stands up like he's going to come out and talk to me. I'm like, look, man, geez, two outs, nobody on. What we, what we got going here, bud? And and then uh, he goes over and picks up the invisible piece of dirt that's like in the other left hand on the edge of the left-handed batter's box. And I'm like, what in the world? And I just start laughing. I'm like, God, these guys think I'm grandpa, man. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I start literally laughing on the mound. I mean, I was laughing on the mound, and uh, and the next guy hits a home run. So maybe I need to have a little less fun, you know, while I'm in there. But these guys make me laugh every day. They're, they're, when you when you like people, you know, when you generally have, like being around people and generally like care for people, and you generally want to see people succeed, you have a lot more fun with people like that. That's what it's all about. It's it's all about having a good time. Adam, last year we talked a lot as you would travel the country about your uh, your golf trips. You'd find a good golf course to play while the team was on the road. You played with Matt Carpenter last year. I know you told Matthew that you played on Monday down in Florida. What course did you hit? And who's your new golfing buddy with Carpenter not here? <laughs> we played uh, a course called Crandon Dunes. Um, was a used to host a couple of PGA events back in the day. Um, they've let it go a little bit, but it is still such a cool uh, layout. It's, it's uh, on Keepus Game public course. You can go and play it if you're down here, and and they can make it really, really nice. But the greens were rolling great. We had a great time. We had twelve got well. We had one guy back out. I won't say his name because Jordan Hicks would get mad at me, but <laughs> we had one guy back out. Uh, so we only had 11 of our 12. But um, but uh, we had a great group. And, and, you know, off days are special like that, you know. And then we had an incredible dinner uh, after that all together as a, an entire team. So, um, it, it, we've, you know, we this team's done a lot of bonding together in, in a short amount of time already because of what we said earlier. We, we generally like being around each other. You know, which is uh, which is a which is a thing that is not always uh, true of, of big league teams, but always true of the ones that win. That's awesome, Adam. One more thing for me. I was listening to a podcast recently. Jake Arrieta was on the Part of My Take podcast, and they asked him who his favorite pitcher in today's game was to watch. And I wrote that down because I would love to know your answer. Who out of your peers do you really love to watch pitch? I mean, there's obvious answers where you like, I mean, I love watching Max Scherzer pitch. I love watching Kershaw pitch and Verlander pitch. Those are my three, you know, probably favorite, like old dogs to watch pitch. But if I was going to pick, there's two other guys on right away um, 
there's two guys that I just love watching pitch. One of them I'm going to get to watch the pitch tonight against us, unfortunately, Sammy Alcantara. I think he's just so fun to watch. The guy's throwing 99, 100-mile-an-hour sinkers that move a foot with a gross changeup and a really good slider. I mean, he's just come so far as a pitcher, but I love watching him pitch. I'm, I'm one of his biggest fans. And the other one is Brandon Woodruff, who, uh, who beat me in Milwaukee the other day. And uh, I saw him the next day. And he goes, hey, man, can I send a jersey over to sign? And I was like, yeah, but I'm going to write something mean on it because, you know, <laughs> you, you beat me. But uh, those two guys, I really like pitching because they're they're hard throwers, which is something I've always coveted, something I wish I could do. But they're still out there pitching. You know, that's the, that's the thing that I really like watching. When Woodruff's out there, he's throwing, you know, he's throwing 95 to 97, 98 miles an hour with, with movement. Now he's thinking it and he's four-seaming it. But he's got a really good changeup and breaking balls that he works in there, and he's out there pitching, which I appreciate. You know, I just don't like watching throwers. I want to watch pitchers, and those guys are doing it. Adam Wainwright and Big League Impact announced this week that they will have their second trivia night. It's going to be Friday, June 3rd, and it's going to be in downtown St. Louis. And, Adam, it's going to be so cool. People can sign up by May 3rd by going to Big League Impact. But you do trivia nights right. We do, and we had a we had a pretty good trivia night during the the COVID time too. But it's going to be good, real good to to see people's faces, and um, we have some some cardinals some cardinals trivia. We have some some other kinds of trivia, but you know, the main thing is getting interacting people, um, just making sure that people know that we care about them, and making sure that that there's not somebody out there that people know about that we can help, you know, and, and, uh, they're not trivia night. We're going to have a great time. We're going to raise a lot of good money for people in need, but we're going to have, we're going to have uh, a blast answering some, some Cardinals questions, some world questions. Uh, we had our, our teammates a couple years ago. They, they did well on the, uh, on the baseball questions, not so well on the other questions. So, um, we're going to have a good time. Yeah, I I'm the same way. I could do I can do baseball, I can do sports, but if you give me history or geography, Adam, I have no chance. Yeah, and that's I mean, you know, that's uh the the baseball, well, I mean, you're a much more uh wise in the world person than we are, right? I'm older. I mean, yeah, I am. <laughs> you're you're older, but you're but you're, you know, you you, you got more know-how than than most baseball players are. We're so locked in on this bubble that we live in you know that it's uh it's hard to know about much else sometimes when you're training and and just working on because we play the thing that we do is hard you know so you got to spend a lot of time trying to hone your craft but um you know maybe we ought to watch jeopardy a few more times too (laughs) not a bad call hey go get him tonight congratulations on last night again june 3rd over at patios the night of june 3rd and michelle and i and brad thompson are all going to be there we're looking forward to it and people can learn more by going to bigleagueimpact.org enjoy the rest of your trip adam and we will talk to you next week all right thanks see y'all at patios you bet thank you that is the great adam wainwright on 101 espn he's Remarkable, isn't he? The best. How about, this is going to be so cool. <laughs> I know. But it, it has to be such a great feeling for a pitcher to have that much confidence in the guys mm-hmm. behind you. And know that no matter what ball is hit or where it goes, that they have a shot at it. Makes all the difference in the world. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. A fun hump day here on Character and Smallman. Hey, now's your chance to win a four-pack of tickets for next Tuesday night's Bud Bash for Cardinals versus Mets. The first Budweiser Bash game of the season features an exclusive Keith Hernandez limited edition bobblehead giveaway. And Michelle, the question today is, what Cardinal player did Adam Wainwright not want to out for missing the team golf trip on Monday? What player did Adam not want to out for missing the team golf trip on Monday? Texter number 50, in honor of Adam Wainwright, mm-hmm. will get the tickets with the correct answer. Get all the details for this season's series of Budweiser Bash cards games now at cardinals.com slash promotions. And it is time for... Reds Padres last night, Randy, an incident happened involving two guys we know, a former Cardinal and, well, actually two former Cardinals and one St. Louisan. So Tommy Pham had some words for Luke Voigt. So in the first inning, Luke Voigt tried to score from first base on Jerickson Profar's double into the left field corner. He had a collision with Cincinnati Reds catcher Tyler Stevenson. It ended up giving Stevenson a concussion, and Tommy Pham was not pleased. He was not pleased. He was asked about this after the game, and here's what he said, Randy. The way his hands hit him, it was dirty as bleep. I don't like it at all. The way his hands hit him in the face, it was dirty. If Luke wants to settle it, I get down really well. Anything. Muay Thai, whatever. I've got a gym owner here who will let me use his facility, so bleep him. Then he goes on to say, I don't like it at all. They can say what they want. Everybody on that side, referring to the Padres, Mm -hmm. his former team, they know how I get down. I know a place here. I know an owner who will let me use his gym. If we need to settle anything, that play was dirty. Wow. Well, first thing, no knives. If we're going to get down, no knives. No, I think Tommy Pham is going to establish that right out of the gate. He's not getting stabbed again. Quit stabbing Tommy Pham. Now, that being said, if I'm Luke Voigt, and he's a big, rugged individual, St. Louis, so Midwest tough. Yeah, of course. I don't want anything to do with Tommy Pham. Yeah. In a lot of scenarios, I would choose Luke Voigt. In a lot mm-hmm. of scenarios. Most probably, I, right? I would say Luke Voigt is going to be my pick if we're talking throwing hands. I am not betting against, against Tommy Pham for several reasons. One, as you mentioned, the guy's been stabbed twice. Yeah. So whatever hit you're going to lay on him, he's endured worst. The guy's been stabbed and survived twice. Yeah. Number two, clearly Tommy Pham has blackout rage. Mm-hmm. If he's watching his teammate uh, get concussed and this is his response is to say to a guy he knows... Let's get in the gym and settle this right now. I know a guy who will let us in. And I truly believe if Luke Voigt said, okay, Tommy Pham, let's go, Tommy Pham would have arranged for them to settle oh, this yeah, no doubt. at the gym. He is not joking around. So even though we love Luke Voigt, and nine times out of ten, I'd choose him. I'm going with Tommy Pham, too, on this one. Tommy Pham or Yachty in a gym? Randy, again, I am never choosing anyone over Yachty or Molina. I don't care that Tommy Pham has been stabbed twice. Neck tats. Yep. That's okay. it. Bottom line. The, the real question here then is Tommy Pham or Aaron Donald, but Aaron Donald does get the knives. Well, well then. why are you going to choose anyone that doesn't have knives? <laughs> yeah, right. I Aaron, mean, if Aaron Donald yeah. has knives, I'm going to. If Tommy Pham has knives, I'm going to pick Tommy yeah. Pham. Tommy you're, Pham. You're going to pick somebody yeah. with knives. Tommy Pham would be a handful for Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald probably wins because he outweighs him by 100 pounds and he's just as quick, if not quicker. But that being said, Tommy Pham would give him a run for his money. Are you? Are you? Taking Yachty over Tommy Oh, Finn? yeah. You are? Okay. Uh, I 
if I'm Tommy Pham, I'm afraid of anybody that has the neck tats. Yes. So, and is as tough as Yadier Molina is? Yeah. I, well, Tommy knows. I was just going to say, he's been in the clubhouse with mm-hmm. Yadier. I think even Tommy Pham wouldn't want to step to Yadier. No, I don't think so. Yeah. But either way, a bummer for Stevenson, by the way, who is, as we mentioned, concussed and is going to be out for a while. He is placed on the seven-day concussion list. I wonder if Luke stood over him and did, like, the uh, He-Man thing. Oh, you're talking about Castellanos? Yeah. Jake Woodford? Emotion of the game, yeah. It was emotion. <laughs> bang, bang, play. You're you're not thinking about all of that <laughs> no. in the moment, okay? I'm just saying. All right, well, let's go to football. So we know that there is um, some tension with the quarterback situation in Cleveland. Deshaun Watson showed up, by the way, to uh, the Cleveland's vol- Cleveland Browns voluntary offseason program to start his career with the Browns. Baker Mayfield, not there. Hmm. Nowhere in sight for Baker Mayfield. Uh, we didn't really expect Baker to show up after he went on a podcast and said he felt disrespected. Well, he's actually mentioned several times that he felt disrespected by the Cleveland Browns, so didn't really expect him to be there, but Baker not showing up to those voluntary workouts. And... I would think that, Michelle, teams that might have interest in Baker Mayfield now, whether it's Carolina, Seattle, somebody else, he'll have a job. But I wouldn't be surprised if he wound up having to get cut. Because if you're one of those teams, unless it's like for a sixth or seventh round pick, why would you do it? Why why not just take your chances on getting him for a minimum salary? Cleveland would have to pay the salary. And... You don't have to give anything up. I'd rather roll the dice. And by the way, if you're Carolina, yesterday Ben McAdoo announced that Sam Darnold's their starter. Mm -hmm. They like Drew Locke, so it's not like they don't have alternatives at the other spots. So just hope you can get Mayfield as a free agent. I wonder where he's going to land because this is a guy who has a lot of talent, who... I think a lot of teams are interested in, but maybe not at the price point. But he's been in a bad situation. He's had how many head coaches? Four head coaches Mm -hmm. and different coordinators. He played injured last year. He might be tough to get along with for some people, but it's not like he's some explosive guy that is taking a blowtorch to the the locker room. He's not a guy that pops off all the time in the media. He speaks his mind, but he's not saying anything super bad or controversial, and he's got talent. So Mm -hmm. I know a lot of teams are going to be interested in him, and I'll be it is kind of a musical chair situation, though, where you don't really know how many seats are left out there or where he could actually go to be a starter. And maybe the place to go for him would be like Kansas City, where you know you're not going to play, but you get to work with Andy Reid, and you get to work with that staff, and you get to watch Patrick Mahomes, and you know you're the the backup. And Chad Heading is their backup right now, but just go to a place where you can chill and sit and develop for a year, like Mitchell Trubisky did in Buffalo. I know, but what an ego check for somebody like Baker. Number one overall, you've been the face of the franchise. You're on all of the big-time commercials. You are one of the big names in the NFL, and you're going to be a backup somewhere after you played pretty well while you were Mm -hmm. injured and have endured a lot. A lot of Baker's issues are situational. Right. That would be a major major step back for somebody like him. But if I, I don't know that he's going to be able to maintain that level of prestige if he's a starter in Carolina or Seattle anyway. That's true, but I think he'd rather be a starter Yeah, you'd rather be a starter. But sometimes, like Trubisky, sometimes you just can't find that starting job and you just find the best opportunity to grow. 
Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. Coming up, we'll tell you who got the tickets, and we're going to head down the stretch towards a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Sean in STL wins a four-pack of tickets to the Tuesday night Budweiser bash for the Cardinals and the Mets. He knew that the guy that Adam Wainwright eh, threw under the bus was Jordan Hicks. Eh, air quotes. Yeah. Uh, Michelle, uh, we have some great restaurants in St. Louis, don't we? We do. Honestly, Randy, I would put St. Louis and our restaurant scene up there with any city in the country. Agreed. And you know who we really, really love is our friends over at High Point. High Point has some great specials going on today. Randy, I don't know if you know this, but it's 420. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's 420. And a lot of people observe this holiday uh, as, let's see, how do I say this? A way for them to enjoy the devil's lettuce? Oh, okay. Yeah. The dinky dough, as <laughs> yes. it were. Yes. The Pakistani black. <laughs> Yes. Um, so our friends over at High Point, and by the way, the owners, the dopest owners over at High Point, and they're also dopest. Stud, stud athletes. I don't know if you know this. Yeah. Stud athletes, the owners over at High Point. Mm-hmm. But anyway, they are so generous. They sent over some samplings of their munchie menu. Now, for 420, High Point has this one day only. And let me tell you, some of the things that we have here in studio are delicious bacon cheeseburger egg rolls. We had spam fries with ketchup. I'm enjoying this ice cream chip, which it's a chocolate chip cookie ice cream sandwich with chips in it. Mm. Sweet, salty, delicious. And they have an Outback Trap House, which is basically a loaded bloomin' onion. So if you are one of those people that observes 420, high point some snacks. So if you're puffing the magic dragon and then you get the munchies, High Point is a place to go today. Yeah, they have a munchie menu. That's a beautiful thing, Michelle. It's great. It is great. So shout out to our friends over there. Thanks so much. Yeah. So I I wonder how many people do celebrate, like take partake of the Bellyando Bruce uh, (laughs) spruce on on a day like this. Like, do you do you have a little of the black gunion, and then does it take an hour? Now, hold you? on a second. Hold on a second. I, we got to make what? this official, Randy. You're burning what? through all your good ones. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna grab something here. I got a little sounder for you, Randy. I'm gonna put 30 seconds on the clock, and I want to give you <laughs> every single one of the of the marijuana euphemisms that you have curated throughout your your time. So we're gonna put 30 seconds on the clock. Let's see, let's see it, Randy. What do you got? Your best 30 seconds. Go. Well, you've got the devil's lettuce. You've got the Doradia. You've got the wacky weed. You're puffing the magic dragon. You've got the Bellando spruce, as we mentioned. You've got the Acapulco black. You've got the Bambalacha. Uh, you've got the Queen Anne's lace, Michelle. You've got the Mary and the Johnny, which is always entertaining. You've got the, the Endo. You, you have folks having a fatty. You have the cannabis tea, right? You've got the blue sage. Always like the Acapulco red as well. And then a lot of people just call it the ace. And, you know, you. What else do you want? It's it's the airplane. It's the Aunt Mary. Twenty nine <laughs> euphemisms in thirty seconds for marijuana, for cannabis, whatever you want to call it. Randy Carricker, ladies and gentlemen, wow, the man's a machine. Almost one per second. How about it? Happy four twenty, everybody. Celebrate at High Point Diner. <laughs> well done. Um. <laughs> hey, we're yes. really, really picking the low hanging bud, aren't we? <laughs> oh yes, we are. That was impressive. Oh, thank you. One per was, you were at a second pace. You lost it at the very last second. You were at twenty eight names through twenty nine seconds, and then you took a beat before you got the last two in there. What's your favorite name? Well, the devil's lettuce is where this all started, right? For the old gun. But puffin' the magic dragon is great. Yeah, puff the magic dragon. Uh, 
and uh, ganja. You know, ganja is kind of a classic too. So those those are probably my favorite three. Oh, Mary Jane. Yeah, that's always good. I, I still I still love it when I hear somebody who's who's not the youngest persuasion to say the word pot. It just makes me I, I chuckle every time. It's like it's it's like oh I'm back in a dare I'm back I'm back in a dare class in the late nineties. Did you say chronic, Randy? I did not. See, I he mean, didn't even, and he didn't even take the low hanging butt. I love it. He, shout he out went, to Dr. Dre. He went chronic. big for it. Good yeah. album to listen to today, by the way. Fantastic album. It is. Yeah. Chronic, so, yeah. Happy 420 to all use. And 420 this afternoon, I think that's the official time, right? Yes. So at 520, expect it. a long line at the high point. <laughs> Get there before 420. <laughs> yeah, right. You just have it ready, yeah. Yeah. I a lot of people, it. I did, I Googled it, because I was like, why is 420 the day? And I guess it's because, a couple different things. One, there was a group that would meet at 420 every day in the parking lot, and mm-hmm. you know they would spark up the reefer. They would enjoy their herb in the parking lot and then became kind of a thing. And then I think there's some sort of amendment or something, uh, some sort of uh, law that's, you know, chapter four, article 20. I don't know, whatever. But I did Google it. Very impressive. And there's a couple different reasons why it's 420. But to all those who observe... Have a good time. Yeah, uh, Great job today by our producer and engineer, the one and only Matthew Rocchio. Thank you. Pleasure. And uh, Michelle, you enjoy your 420. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I will. And See ya. Uh, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Speaking of 420, Action Jackson and T-Mac are coming up. <laughs> for all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast1 to learn more and start your free trial.